time to ham up. Now I gotta really try hard. Shut it down! Somehow it's the best. After the credits. A Yum Chunks podcast. Yum Chunks! Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of After the Credits. My name is Vince, I'll be your host today. And with me as always, I have Sean. Hey, I'm Sean. How's it going, Vince? Eh, you know. Oh, no, that's why I asked. <laughs> no, oh, wait, I thought you knew. Okay, well, I'll get you up to speed. I'm dead. Um, and I also have Ryan Davis. I'm here! Oh, thank you. It's goodness. been a while. I gotta say, it's great to be back. Well, guys... We made it. We made it to the end of Game of Thrones. Uh, we never did do a podcast about it, even though we probably promised somebody or many people <laughs> along the way that we were going to do a weekly podcast. Yeah, that didn't happen. So let's just do a season wrap up. What oh, do you say? Yeah. Well, we have to re um, reboot our much loved internet show, uh, Talk of Ice and Fire. <laughs> the Man, what a show it was. The audience demanded it, and here we are, fans. We're back. <laughs> After a two-season hiatus? What what <laughs> season did we actually do? Uh, season five, right? Season, yeah, it's been three seasons. Let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Ryan, yeah. give us give us a quick rundown, Ryan. What what Wait, happened? No, we're we're no, never jumping mind. far ahead, Vince. Your responsibilities. You got a little big for your britches. Gonna... <laughs> How you dare you say that? My we've... britches fit just fine. I want to talk around the chunk fires. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, Ryan, actually, it's been like three or four episodes since you've been on. <clears throat> yeah, it has been. What? So you must have much uh, tales of an adventure. To... Gather gather around, you chunkers, around the chunk fire, and I'll tell you a tale of my doings. Um, well, anyway, since the last time I was on the episodes of the show, I let me tell you about a few things. I've done many things, but I'll, keep, I'll whittle it down. Sean, I already told you about the Let's Mosey thing, and you said you finished it. Yes. Uh, I would recommend that highly to to Aaron, to Chris, that is on this podcast, <laughs> um, <laughs> and anyone else that's a fan of Final Fantasy VII. This guy breaks down. He 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 learns Japanese. I'm just summarizing here, and then he trans, and then he plays through both the English and Japanese versions of Jap- uh, of uh, Final Fantasy VII, and kind of points out. A, different translation things about the game and it, it, it's more than just about the translation of the game it's more about life itself but anyway i'll leave it at that i highly recommend it to a select audience yeah um, i mean i would say it's anyone who has any interest in any sort of translation stuff like obviously yeah. final fantasy 7 is the context but you could probably get a lot from it even if you're just interested in just like minor cultural differences and how that's yeah. conveyed through how things get translated and stuff. Um, or even just a, a general interest in language, I yeah. think. He does a great job of just talking about language in general. Um, I think there's a lot to get to get out of that podcast or uh, YouTube series. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Um, on Netflix, I Think You Should Leave um, is a great show. I think pretty much everyone I know has already seen this, but... Yeah. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, watch it immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned it last episode of our. Oh, you did? Oh, sorry. Detective Pikachu. That's right. Well, <laughs> I haven't listened to our own podcast yet, so I did. Uh, I did watch the end game, but this isn't any, oh it. well. I after we get around the chunk fire stories, I want to go back to that. But continue. All right, uh, I watched John Wick three. 
Loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, and this other Netflix movie called The Wandering Earth Project. It's pretty wacky, um, but but you should watch it. it I, I just don't want to give you anyone any hints about what this movie is, but you should watch it. Um, I hope that goes on the Blu-ray box. Just dot, yeah, dot, it's, dot, it's, dot, it's weird. Dot. Somehow pretty it's wacky. not getting like any... I don't know. Netflix has this weird thing where they don't advertise movies very well. Um, I don't know. Anyway, check it out. Um, and also, I I don't know if you guys remember, but a while back, or maybe you watched it, but they had they did a show, Ash versus Evil Dead show. Mm-hmm. And I remember at the time when it was announced, I was like, do I really need more more Evil Dead stuff? And so I kind of dismissed it. But it's on Netflix. I think like three seasons or something. And I watched it, and I realized that I was wrong. I do need more. It's great. Wow. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So there you go. That's what I've been up to. Okay. Okay. Sean, how about you? Uh, well, I mean, it hasn't been so long since we're, we're cramming in some episodes this week. Because um, our Detective Pikachu was just out. So I haven't had a ton of free time to do things. But I recently have been watching um, Star Trek Discovery which is the new Star Trek show. I'm finally trying to catch up. I'm still only on season one, but I don't know, Ryan, have you, did you ever watch that yet? Uh, I've only seen a few episodes from the first season. Okay. But I mean, meaning to watch it all. Yeah. I'm about halfway through season one. And I mean, I'd be interested to hear what you think. I know the general, well, I don't actually know if it's the general discourse, but the, the population of people that I, I guess associate with, and I guess are prone to on social media and such do not like that show at all. It's supposed to be pretty bad, but I'm not disliking it. Like I'm not hating it. I'm not hating as much as I thought I would. So maybe that's good. Maybe their expectations were, you know, set so low for me that it's making me, you know, enjoy it more than I normally would have, but I'm, I'm liking it so far. Like it's definitely, there's issues I have with it for sure. Um, but so, Sean, the people who you talk to that don't like it, are they um, those the, your other podcasting group? Yeah, I mean, it's I, I've mentioned a couple times on the cast. I mean, the thing is that the people, and they don't actually hate it. I mean, there's a group of people who hate it because they're the same, they're troglodytes and just like, oh, it's not my Star Trek and this wasn't my, they're not like those right. type of people, God forbid. Like, they're, yeah. they're just like story-wise, character-wise, they're just not super into it. And they just think it... Um, does a lot of things that like the 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 new Star Trek movies have done, which I enjoy. But I also, on second viewing, I also recognize how much there's stuff I don't like about those movies. And I think the show kind of takes most of a lot of just its direction from those films. So I understand mm. why you know why there's say- so much you know conflict there and why you might not like it. When you say films, do you mean the the JJ, new? The, well, the Abrams, okay. the 09 Star Trek, okay. and onward. Okay. Um, yeah. Like I said, I'm only halfway through the first season, so I know that's hardly you know the full spectrum yeah. of what the show is. But as of yet, I'm not like hating it, and maybe it will take a turn, or uh, maybe a, it's a slow dive. But so far, it's so good. So, um, but yeah, it's it's definitely not Star Trek: The Next Generation or Deep Space Nine or Voyager. Like so, you know. Okay. But I guess I knew that going in, so maybe that's partially why I'm not so, you know, perturbed by it. Anyways, sure. Star Trek Discovery. There you go. Although the CBS All Access app is the worst thing ever. 
Well, I, I think that's the biggest complaint I've heard is that getting at trying to watch these show this show is the hardest part. I mean, I finally and just got it and have been watching it, but I'm just saying the functionality of the app, regardless of the ridiculousness of having of having a Star Trek show regulated to a you know an app that's not on broadcast television. Is the app itself is constantly crashing on me or making me rewatch stuff, uh, and I can't like. And there's commercials like you're paying for this extra thing, and then there's still commercials when you're streaming. What? Yeah, it's it's the worst. Thing. I'm saying Don't, the app so itself dumb. is awful. so bad. Yeah, it's so terrible. stupid. It's really frustrating. There's been literally times where I couldn't watch the show because it wouldn't. It, it just couldn't play. I'm like, sorry, it's down right now. We're having problems. Anyways, there's my rant against CBS All Access. Take that, CBS. <laughs> All right. Anyway, sorry, that went off longer. What else? Um, and I just finished this book called Supermarket. Um, probably no one's heard of. It's relatively new. It just came out this year. But it also wasn't very mm. good. I don't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like a fight club and one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Kind of took take the like the most like – not the worst parts, but the most obvious parts of those film, or those you know, books slash films, and then huh? mixed a little bit with Ready Player One, the worst parts of Ready Player One, and yeah. you got yourself a bad book. So don't read well, that one. Okay. <laughs> and, thanks for the, well. Thanks for the warning. This yeah. this is a good place to yeah, exactly. vet out n- n- not watches and not reads as much as you know. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Anyways. anyways, but that's about it, I suppose. Like I said. Um, haven't had too much time recently, but yeah, Vince. Okay. What what stories do you have? Um. Well, yeah, we've also updated me pretty recently, so I'll be brief about this. Uh, I did watch the first episode of that show on HBO called Chernobyl. Chernobyl. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have heard of yeah, it. Yeah, I've heard lots have. of good things about it. But yeah, the first episode I feel like is great. I've actually watched it twice now. Um. And yeah, I really dig like the the atmosphere of that show. Like, and there's not a lot plot wise that maybe necessarily happens, but like it really, really like that first episode does a great job of establishing like the universe and just like mm-hmm. the tragedy of the event and just like grounding you into like just the horrificness of it, I guess. And just like it's dark and eerie and scary, and it's 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 really good. I don't know. I really is like it, is it. it. Is it based on the movie? Um. I don't know, but I, I think it's just based on, you know, the, the, just the natural or the disaster itself, the the accident, the like nuclear, you know, radiation uh, or like whatever. Yeah, the meltdown that happened. And it's made me actually want to research the like other meltdowns that have happened. And man, Chernobyl's really bad. Just compared to everything else, like it's much worse than the one that happened in like Japan and like. Well, because of... there's the the other famous one is Three Mile Island that happened in the United States, mm-hmm. and I don't, I think like there were very few casualties in terms of fatalities in that one. Yeah, but in Chernobyl, it's like a lot of people die, like a whole lot, and then a right. lot of people suffer like really bad side effects of it. Like, just just watching the first episode, maybe just want to research like it. So I'm sure there's like it's like a mini series. I think there's there's gonna definitely be more episodes. But yeah, man, if I mean if this is just the first episode, I'm looking forward to the rest. You guys should check it out. And that's uh that's about it though. That's all I really have done. I just continue watching the first episode of Chernobyl. That's it. 
over and over and over again. Yeah, that's all I do. Yeah, that's a good life. Um, cool. Well, before we get into I did want to... So, <clears throat> like I said, Ryan, you haven't been on a couple episodes. Um, and I wanted to at least get your take real briefly on Endgame. Because I... Oh. You know, just because it's such a big movie and we all, you know, had got to spend forever talking about it. I just wanted to kind of hear... I mean, we've talked about it off-cast, obviously. But just kind of your if you've listened to uh, the episode that we recorded, and then if you had any thoughts or little little ad- adjoinders or things you could add to the discussion, what were your takes on that film? Oh yeah, I thought you guys covered it pretty pretty well. Um, uh, I think yeah, though I was kind of looking, I was like, man, I wish I could be on the podcast because at the time I had seen it four times already. Yeah, and so I was like, ah, oh, I'm I'm overqualified to be on the podcast. So it was for the best. Um, but, uh, yeah, you guys did a great job of covering it. Um, I did love the movie. I thought there was like just, yeah, everything you guys said about just leading to a good conclusion. Um, I am glad that you guys spent a, a good amount of time picking out some of the details or like little, um, little nods to those who are paying attention, mm-hmm. uh, for like, you know, the callbacks and things like that. So I thought that was really great. Um, yeah, just a general in general that would that would be my uh, take on on it and the podcast. All right, cool. Yeah, and uh, so I didn't figure you had any controversial or crazy, you know, things that we left out. But I just wanted to, you know, since it's such a huge movie and something that we've been talking about in some form or another for the last year, whether through trailers or through other MCU films, I just wanted to at least, I don't know. Have you yeah, the, I was kind of curious to see if you guys are going to get bogged down in the time travel nuttiness of things making sense or not making sense. Yeah. Nah. And I, th- I think you guys got bogged down in it just enough as you should have. Like, <laughs> you know, does that make sense? Yeah. Like, you could have mm-hmm. spent an entire 10 hours trying oh, to yeah, ex- explain it and not explain it and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, it was, yeah, so you guys did a good job on that. Yay! We oh you did gosh. it. You we get my Ryan thumbs of approval. approval. We've. Now it's time for the end game of Thrones. Dun, all right. Dun, 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 this dun, is going to take 10 hours. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, all right. So, well, general spoiler warning. Um, we are going to talk primarily about season eight. So if you've seen, um, you know, parts of the show or you have seen, you know, less than up to season seven. Well, actually, just spoilers for everything. What am I trying to... Just spoilers. We're going to say about the whole show, about the whole books, the spoil, the show, everything. If there's any ever chance that you'll watch and or read it and you don't want to be spoiled, then probably should stop listening. Um, but that being said, hey, Vince, tell us the song of Ice and Fire. Oh, boy. All right. Well, like the whole thing or just this no, season? No, just season eight. <laughs> oh, thank God. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, season eight. Or wait, no, who is saying Ryan? Were you saying it or Vince? I forgot. Oh, yeah, wait. I don't want to we'll, say it. Thank we'll, God. Okay, we'll, Ryan, you we'll say tag it. team. Vince, I'll start Ryan, off. Vince, you, you fill in the gaps, Vince, where I, with things I missed. Sorry, I forgot right. it was Ryan. Okay, eh, whatever. Um, well, anyway, so season the eighth, it starts out a little slow with people talking in Winterfell for two mm-hmm. full episodes. It's <laughs> yeah. riveting, riveting. It's actually the only good um, part of the season, in my opinion, but continue. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll talk about that, too. Um, and then it all builds up to a battle in episode three where a lot of people die and we finally get rid of the Night King thanks to Arya. Um, and then we march south to King's Landing to dethrone Cersei and we lose a dragon along the way. 
but we eventually, and we lose some other people too. A bunch of people keep dying because you know it's this finale, and we we assault the King's Landing, mm-hmm. and we win. That is to say, the Danny's army wins and burns everything. And when I say everything, I mean literally everything. She burns down all of King's Landing, including all the women and children, and the men also. And <laughs> not um, the men. Not yeah, somehow the they're the only ones. But the women and the children. <laughs> I hate they, them. Yep. And uh, let's see. We get the, uh, you know, the Clegane's battle. And that's satisfying. Anyway, everyone dies, and I guess, yeah, I guess ultimate spoiler: uh, Danny is seen as a villainous character in the end. John has to kill her, and he is cast away to the back to the wall. Um, Arya heads west beyond Westeros. Sansa rules in Winterfell in her own little kingdom and Bran the Broken becomes the new ruling member of the Six Kingdoms and Tyrion takes over his hand and all our fun characters join as part of the High Council and we're all happy at the end ta-da <laughs> the end yeah what a perfect uh, yep. summary I literally have nothing to add except everything Uh, but those are opinions on summary events. That's what we're going to talk about now. Um, so season eight, uh, it's been, I feel like controversial is not the right word, but I guess it's been conflicted in terms of people's reaction to it. Um, so I think this is going to be an interesting discussion and possibly a fun one because Vince, I know your opinion and you are very much. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but very much of the opinion that you, I don't want to say hate, but you strongly dislike this season. Um, I actually f- like the season quite a bit. Um, and we'll get into that. Ryan, what about you? I think I'm somewhere in the middle. So I'm interested to see where, what, what things we agree on and disagree on. Because I guess you're going to disagree with everything from Vince, but I'll agree with 50% of you two. <laughs> And that's the lesson of the Game of Thrones. Yep. We all learned something. Um, Yeah, okay. So let me me at least kind of state kind of my, I guess, one or two things that I kind of feel approaching this. I think one thing is that I think the word, you know, bad or awful is kind of thrown around too loosely. Because I agree that the season is not my favorite season or even the best season of Game of Thrones. I'll be under no illusions of that. Um, and that there are things I was disappointed with for sure, but to call the season bad, I think is kind of disingenuous. Like, you know, what's bad is big bang theory or the room. Like that is like, yeah, I know I, people like, Oh, well, that's not what I mean. You know what I mean? Like, no, I don't want you to know what you mean. You said bad. Well, it's not bad. It's just not as good. Well then say it's not well, as good. Don't say it's bad. Right. Cause everyone speaks in like polarity. Absolutely. You know, that's my yeah, point. Absolutes, yeah. Like, exactly. So I guess that's my thing is that I guess I understand what you're saying, but when I say it was bad, I can fully rationalize my point and separate it from the amazing visuals, the amazing score, you know, the great But that's acting. my point. You I can like, separate it from all So there things. might be aspects of it, but that's when you say the show or the season is bad, 
you're including all of that. You're including everything that was part of that season. So if you yeah, think because this well, emotional beat for this character was bad, sure, then then say that and specify that. I I guess my issue is that this generalization and this this idea that this entire season was awful. It was awful television. Like you might not have liked certain things, but it's by no means awful. Like like I think that just needs to be clarified, at least in my point of view. So okay. I I agree with those statements because I don't like the absolute you know modality um but i'm curious then how do you feel about the previous season because in i like this season quite a deal more than the previous one would you say that the previous season is bad or would you say that there again it kind of you have to kind of uh you know pick pick and choose or i I mean to me there's no season that's bad if you're if you're going with the universal understanding of like good and bad and stuff then no i would say season seven is not bad but i do think the season is better than season seven or i like the season more than season seven um i agree i was more disappointed with season seven i think ultimately this season even made season season seven feel a little worse in my eyes i haven't gone back and watched it since um and you can maybe even say that's a fault for season eight as well. But I think to me, it, it again, is not a case of it being bad television. I get you. I, I, that was more of like a calibration question. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Anyways, so I wanted to kind of at least state that. I mean, I don't know, Vince. Do you, do you honestly think that, like, this season was bad? Like, do you consider it a bad show? Well, here, or let do me you kind of at least exactly get what I'm what saying? Like, Game of Thrones is the successful show that it is because it's not just an incredible show visually. It doesn't just have a great score. It doesn't just have fantastic actors and acting. It had an extremely compelling story. The writing in it was top notch, but it also, you know, was based off of an incredibly successful and well-written source material that is A Song of Ice and Fire. Once it had to rely entirely on D&D, you know, Dave and Dan to actually start writing, you know, what was going to happen to these characters once it you know, surpassed the books, that's where I think things went off the rails. That's where, and I will say that the only, the reason this show was great, I mean, because, yeah, I I love all the, the you know, the other, you know, the way, I love the, the visuals, the score. I mean, I'm a huge score guy when it comes to this. So, yeah, that was top notch. But the thing that keeps me coming back to the show is the story. And the story was extremely rushed and just poorly executed. For its characters. And characters made nonsensical decision making. Um, armies appeared and then were destroyed. And then somehow their entire forces reappeared. Dragons were vulnerable and then invincible from episode to episode. The, the universe lost all of its weight in terms of realism in this last season. I would say that even the season before it certainly had some some glimpses of that. But this season was all... Like, this is not grounded in the reality that, like, it had been building, at least from seasons one through six. Um, yeah, I mean, I understand. I, I, I hear that's a common complaint. A couple things. One, I, uh, I, I, a lot of people, like, I mean, I agree that, I don't know if it went off the rails, but I, I do think, like, the quality in the writing and some of the character, the the authenticity of some of the character relationships, maybe, kind of was not as good um, from seasons six, seven, eight, at least seven and eight for sure. Um, but the thing, I, I guess also like I've read all, also this is, I think is worth noting. I've read all the books, Ryan, I, you've read all the books, right? Yep. And Vin, Vince, you've read some of the books or all the books. I don't remember. I've read all the books. 
Okay, so just everyone listening, we're coming at this from perspectives of people who've read the books. Um, in any case, like, I love the books, obviously. And just to flaunt my hipster card, like, I was reading the books way before the shows were ever even a dream of becoming shows, right? Like, so sure, right. I love the books. But let's not, like, kid ourselves. The books had some major flaws. I mean, books four and five were pretty awful, like, in terms of just, like, compelling stories they were pretty bad and i remember even when talking about with my friends a lot of most people didn't even really like book two that much really it's book one and three that everyone thinks of when they think and when they say the books are so good so like yeah. I, I mean i get that yeah you're right it is no, no longer a blueprint that the writers of the show could go off of but the books were never like some like glorious perfection of like you know narrative design they they had flaws even before the show started so i I guess i guess the idea that like oh it's it's the writers of the show they're not having to turn to george r R. martin like he's just one man i hate to think that he's like the end-all be-all of storytelling he's pretty flawed and a lot of the stuff he writes is not always perfection okay yeah so that's those are some interesting points i think if you kind of do like a venn diagram of or I don't know some kind of chart, <laughs> but if you take the, the the source material from the books, and he's had time to think it out and write it down, and he knows where he's taking these characters, mm-hmm. I think it has a lot of the integrity for the story and the characters that you know pr- you know prevail throughout the book series. And the shows take that strong structure and strong narrative and strong characters and and kind of are able to smooth over some of those gaps that you pointed out in the storytelling, yeah. Sean, where in books two and four or whatever, where it's not quite as interesting or the stories themselves are kind of lackluster, they're able to kind of smooth those things out because they have this advantage of kind of like, I don't want to say hindsight, but they're able to kind of see those flaws in the story, yeah. make them better, but still gain all that integrity, bake them into the show because they know that ultimately this is going somewhere for these characters and, yeah. and, and stories. So when we get to... We'll, we'll say half of season six. I'll, I don't know, mm-hmm. kind of split the difference on that one. And then seven and eight, we lose, as Vince indicated or has said, we lose the strong uh, narrative we had going in from George R. R. Martin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think we, we gain, we still gain the great uh, cinematic adventure, the, the music that Vince, you know, we all love. And the actors, right? We, those are all the things that make a show really, really good or can, but we lose some of the strong, I think, you know, story arc and character arcs that we th- we thought Martin was taking us to. And I don't know, we can point, maybe point fingers as why that fell apart. I will say that because we didn't have source material that was well thought out. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that I can, my I, stake, but I have a very, very strong idea of why. So, I mean, when, when, Dave and Dan approached George R. R. Martin about this, and they, I think, from a certain point when they knew that they were going to surpass the books in terms of their show, like it was, it was just not possible for him to finish. And once, you know, George R. R. Martin told them certain character beats and beats and where characters were going to end up in the end game, they had to then, they, they knew what was going to happen with those characters, and so I felt, I just felt like once it surpassed the books. Certain characters just had plot armor that they didn't have before, and like the show just felt like it always felt like everybody was vulnerable in this show, up until a certain point when it felt like they no longer were, 
and characters were somehow able to survive things that they never would have been able to survive before. It, it just didn't feel like the show that it had been building up to for all these seasons. Characters now were able to get out of situations that they never, that like that defied logic, the logic that had built, been built into the universe. And because of that, I say that that's poor writing. Yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I, to kind of comment on that, I, I actually do agree with you on this point, Vince. Um, <clears throat> the end of season six, I believe, they they unceremoniously execute uh, Littlefinger in in, in season the, seven. Yeah. What's that season seven? Oh yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. Anyway, um, which I thought was again, I, I like the word unceremonious because he's a character that's taken us from the very beginning of the show, and in some ways, really caused a lot of the harm and you know, the cascading effects of the entire events of the yeah, show. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and they just kind of, like, do away with the character because I felt like they couldn't figure out, uh, you know, a good way to end him. But maybe it was appropriate. Regardless, when Jamie comes to Winterfell, someone who is known to be <laughs> a horrible person, I mean, I mean, in, in terms of the eyes of our, you know, the Stark, we'll say, um, and he's just like, oh, you're, it's cool, dude. You can, you're fine. Whereas I think in previous seasons, he would have been, that would not have been fine, right? He would have been killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, small note, I, I, I think, Vince, a lot of the stuff you're saying in terms of like these things, I, I, I think to me, those are more, and I, I'm not trying to sound, you know, condescending or anything, but I, or uh, are more plot issues than story. I think I think the story still has the same fidelity as the the story has always had. I think it's where the plot is where the things start to start to deteriorate a little bit in the latter seasons. Um, by which I mean, I think the story is, if you kind of think of the story as just like the broad overarching, what is this about? What are these journeys these characters are on? I think those are still strong, and I think that's why to me. It still works for me because to me the story doesn't suffer. But the plot, I agree. The plot, the details, the specific beats of what happens, that's where in things like you're right, it lose the sense of kind of groundedness that I think we had all grown accustomed to and what kind mm-hmm. of the show felt like it was special with. Yeah. I mean, I've said this in the beginning. I didn't think just I didn't think it was possible that like the White Walkers being the ultimate threat could possibly lead to a satisfying conclusion just with what we've had so far because the villains that have been in Game of Thrones, like, a lot of them have been really fantastic, you know, great villains that, like, man, you really wanted to hate them and, like, you, like, they did such horrible evil things, like, out of malice. And the Night King is just this, like, silent, omnipresent force of nature that just, sure, you can tell that it's a threat, but you never really felt like an emotional attack like, like you never really felt like God. I I I despise this this character because it wasn't a character. Having having yeah. like your and I know the Night King net turned out to not be the main villain, but when you hype it up for seven seasons, that the Night King certainly is the main villain and the greatest threat that this universe has ever faced, and then it, it turns out that that's not like the actual progression of the plot, and that there's still more to this, and it, it just. It just felt like it didn't – the show well, itself acknowledged that it couldn't It couldn't find a way to end the show like in a satisfactory way with it just being the army of the dead versus, versus the living. So, OK. So this kind of gets into an interesting topic because 
Well, one, for me, I had no issue with that because to me, the Night King was never the ultimate. And I, I never wanted him to be, he, to me, he never was. And I'm not saying you're wrong to think that, but I think it brings into an interesting point. And I think this is what you kind of tapped on earlier, either Ryan or Vince, and that is expectations, right? And what our expectations are going in. And <clears throat> how valid our expectations are when we're judging how things turn out. Okay. And it's just kind of an interesting take because... And again, I'm not saying you're wrong or anything or that those are valid kind of expect or invalid expectations. But like to me, he was never a character that I wanted. Like it, it, I, I, he was an existential threat and that's what he represented. And to me, it was just a manifestation of that in a singular person. It was never about some ultimate evil that the forces of good had to overcome. I mean, that's Lord of the Rings. If that's what that was going to and and. You know, Game of Thrones from the very off onset has said, you know, has made it clear that this is not a typical fantasy where the forces of man will come together to fight evil. Like, that's not the, that's not what I was expecting from the show. It's not what I wanted from this show or from this story. So that's why I mean, like, expectations. I I didn't mind that wasn't the final battle. I was happy that was would not the final battle. In fact. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I I think that you hit it right on the head there because I I see Game of Thrones as more a tragedy of man. It's not. Yeah. It, it isn't a fantasy story of yeah, good versus evil. It's exactly. We we define our perceptions of good and evil based on the characters we like, um, and I think that's kind of. I hope we get into it, but I think that's kind of where the show ends. Um, is with that idea in our minds, at least for yeah. me. Um, and I think that's what. I think that's what Game of Thrones has always been about. So I, I think they hit it on the head in terms of kind of keeping true to their, their, I guess the story in that sense, that, that at least that theme. Yeah. We'll get, yeah. I mean, I do want to get into more of that, but just while we're still talking about kind of the Night King, I also do think though that, and this is another question, like for all you issues you may have with season eight, how much of that, like, are you willing to put, all on season eight or on previous seasons? Because I mean, they didn't really introduce the night King to what was it? Season four, three or four. Season when? four. Yeah. Season, season four, four right? First time. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't claim like, well, they already started making mistakes back in season four because they should have never built him up as a singular four. Like, you know what I mean? Do you get what I'm saying? Yes. But I mean, the first shot, the first scene you see white walkers, like the white walkers are established. From the very yeah, but I'm but, but I'm saying that the idea that like the ultimate bad guy, it's they they obviously made a decision in season four to make it a singular th- person, right? Oh yeah, which and, is stupid. And if they're just... and if they knew at that point they that he wasn't going to be the ultimate bad guy, was it a mistake in season four to make him a bad? Do you, do you kind of get what I'm saying? Like I guess what yes. I'm saying is that some of the faults of season eight, I think ultimately kind of if they're kind of stretched out back into previous seasons sure of course yeah and it doesn't excuse it i'm not saying that's like justifies it but i do think that like i don't think all of the flaws of the show rest on like these six episodes yeah right i I, I, I see what you're saying it's it's like the pay we blame the payoff it's like yeah exactly uh, i don't know the payoff for an expectation that they kind of wrote either wrote themselves into a corner way earlier or wrote themselves in a corner because they didn't know how it's going to end based on what they had from Martin at the time or I don't know, whatever it's, circumstances. Right. You know. It's like if someone, you know, if your kicker and mix misses the game winning field goal, you're going to look at that as like, Oh, we would have won if you had missed, if you had yeah. made that field goal. Like, yeah, but if 
some if other you had scored three more touchdowns or yeah, didn't have two interceptions, two. then you yeah. wouldn't be in this position. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, that's why I think that the first, you know, three, maybe I would say the first four seasons are absolutely the most compelling part of the show. Like everything after season four, once you start getting to these other external threats, you know, because once you have season five, you get hard home and then season six, you get, you know, all the stuff with the three eyed Raven and Bran and. Like, once you start having these other things outside of just, like, the political, like, the wars that go on between men and, like, the humanity of the series it starts getting past that, I feel like the series, you know, goes downhill. Uh, it's not as compelling. Uh, this, It's not as, um, like, the storyline isn't as realistic. It's just everything. Like, I get that, like, there's magic in this universe. I just feel like, at least for those few seasons, it was still grounded in, like, a really good sense of, like, realism. And, like, I, I understood like how things were yeah. working. And I I never thought that like just with how the universe was established that it could have a satisfying ending. So I wasn't my expectations weren't really they weren't high for like how I how I thought it would finish. But that doesn't excuse the the way it was it was done. It was extremely rushed the way that it just it took care of characters that had been there for you know, eight seasons and and how 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 characters moved around the universe, and yeah, know, how... I mean, I, I, that one I go back and forth on a lot, like because I I do like I think I had more of an issue with it in season seven, and now I think okay. it's more of just kind of like like yeah, I get it. What are they like in season one when it's grounded? It takes them two episodes to walk down to King's Landing. Okay, cool. Season one, we're getting to know the characters in this world stuff. I don't want two episodes in season eight them traveling on a boat no i i would 100 agree with that however i think they need to still make us suspend a disbelief right like they don't need to show me that character but you can't have them teleport either like well i get yeah that's why i'm saying season seven i think i had more issues because i think in season seven is more egregious the time span but i i don't think in yeah. season eight there was no. any indicator that it was like the next day they were there no, like I think the that's... way they filmed it it made it seem like it was short but we could like weeks could have yeah. gone by by the time they got to Dragonstone, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, I there was never a moment in season eight, I don't think, where I was like, "Oh, that's convenient." They just arrived. No, I felt like no. They show us I, I, there's a cut, and yeah. it, in an indeterminate p- time passes, and it shows them again. Okay, great. Whereas in season seven, yeah, Gendry <laughs> runs for like two hours and he's <laughs> yeah tagged south in Winterfell or wherever Castle Black. 500 right. miles away. Yeah, I, I mean, those are the issues I agree. that That's where it undermines it more for me. And that's, again, that's where I'm kind of going at. Like, to me, season eight wasn't as disappointing in that regard. To me, there was less of that in season eight than I think people are kind of, like, pointing fingers at it for. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, what else? Well, okay, so this is kind of interesting. I, and this is a very hypothetical impossible question to answer but everyone's disappointed or going to be disappointed with it i mean i'm not but the you know the 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 haters out there and people who just were like and you said vince yourself i knew i was going to be disappointed with the ending like or the ending wasn't going to be satisfying to me back in season four whenever you like no what, i said what would have had... been satisfying like how how would you have wanted it to end and i'm not okay. I, i'm not saying this you know as any right or wrong thing, I'm generally curious, curious if you had any just general thoughts. Obviously, you don't have to get into specific details, but like for oh, the, everyone me... who's so unsatisfied with how things ended or this season, what did they want? 
Would sure. they? And if it's just character stuff, we'll get into that. But is it an actual difference in how it ended? And that's what I'm curious about. Um, major major parts to characters and how they ended. Um, yes. Um, how how like the bells episode was executed? Yes. Um, how the long night was executed? Yes. So I mean, like pivotal moments in the series where major characters die, and you know where characters have their like their major turn, you know, as a person to where they turn mm-hmm. from good to mass murderer. Um, yeah, okay. Yes, so so that's changed. why I'm, I, I I, sorry, let me clarify. So, so assuming those character turns were more motivated or whatever, I'm just saying specifically, like, let's, would you have been happy if Varys lived? I don't care. Right now, I don't care about the motivation. I'm caring about the very specific, if you're writing it down, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and this happened. How would you have changed? What is there something that you like, oh, that was dumb. John should be king. That's how I want it to end. Or, you know, you get what I'm saying? We'll get into character motivations in a second. I'm just curious if there's anything. I actually don't have a problem with with Bran being king. Um, I have a problem with Daenerys' turn because I don't feel like it was. uh... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We'll get to that in a second. I'm just saying, like, like. Is there anything with the, how it ended, just the way it ended in terms of the, where the characters ended up that you were unsatisfied with? Right, right. now, disregard the the turns and the motivations that got them there. Yes. I, think I, can... um, I got one. Okay. Uh, it honestly doesn't make any sense why John um, was exiled to uh, the wall. And it honestly doesn't make any sense with exactly how the universe was established within the last 20 minutes. Let me explain okay. exactly how. So, uh, 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 and they make... Sorry, real fast. Yes, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. But I'm saying, like, if if you, before you started the season or the last episode, if I had told you John ends by going back to the wall, would you have been disappointed with me just just knowing that? Would you have, like, oh, okay, I could see that being cool? No. Especially with how the season ends. So, John ending at the wall, no matter what is, no matter how he got there to you, is bad. Yeah. I would say so. Okay. Okay. Cool. Ryan, did you, it sounded like you, did you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I think you, the way you framed it was good because it's. I was going to say, you know, if you're watching the prequel series, you, you can't be upset when Anakin becomes Vader, right? Like, yeah. it's just more, we were exactly. upset with how he became Vader. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, okay, cool. That's interesting because I, I do think there's there's a difference, too, between people being upset for what happened, like they didn't like what happened. And to mm-hmm. me, that is less of a critique of it, and it's just more personal preference. Like, I didn't sure. want the red wedding to happen. No one wanted that to happen. But yeah. I can't say it was bad. It no, wasn't it was bad story. Extremely well executed. But that see, so, that's the thing is that stuck with me emotionally. Nothing like Danny's burning sure. down of King's Landing. Yeah, and that's what we'll get into now. But I just wanted to yeah. to separate those two. Like to me, yeah. John ending the wall. I thought I like John ending the wall. And now whether you felt it was strong, how he got back there. You know, that's what we'll get into. But mm-hmm. to me, that was, yeah, I thought I like that ending. I like if you had told me at the beginning of the series, the series ends with John, you know, north of the wall on, on his own. Okay. It would have been like, oh, okay, that's that's going to be interesting. It sounds kind of bittersweet. How does he get there right. after everything? You know, like I could see like being, okay, that's a, that's an interesting ending. I want to see that ending. Um, so that I guess that's what kind of I'm trying to articulate here. Okay. Um, But yeah, so let's get into the character stuff then in terms of getting people to where everything turned out. Um, And I can't, we'll kind of jump around, but let's just hit the biggest one first, and that's Dany. Yeah, that was silly. What do you think about season five? Well, her being dead, but episode five specifically, the the turn, quote unquote. 
Yeah, I mean, it's so funny. Um, I was talking to a friend about this, and I can't believe I'm about to use Revenge of the Sith as a positive example. Um, but, like, when Obi-Wan confronts uh, Anakin on Mustafar, after he's like, you know, like, you've done all these terrible things, and then, like, they actually, like, have a back and forth, and they know that they're, like, kind of against each other. Like, and then, like, you know that they're going to have to, you know, fight each other based off mm-hmm. of their now-established beliefs. Instead of, you know, John just stabbing her and that being it, it just, like, it somehow was better. Like, it was almost the exact same in terms of where the characters were at, like, emotionally. From Revenge of the Sith and what happens between Danny and John. But the way it was executed where, like, there, there wasn't enough of a, of a clash in terms of the characters and why they thought the way they did. I feel like the majority of, like, John's character was fleshed out between him and Tyrion in the scene before. And I mm-hmm. would have really enjoyed to have that. And not that I don't like having a scene with Tyrion and John, but I would have much preferred to have that scene be more of an elongated dialogue between John and Danny as to why they got to where they were. I would, I would agree with that. I can yeah. see that. Yeah, I think that right because the argument is take it happens between John and Tyrion with John kind of playing devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. Whereas no, let's hear it from Danny herself. Let's see her emote her her point of view. Yeah, I mean, I I, I could see value. I did want more from just the dialogue. That I don't necessarily think that it needs to be longer, but I do was hoping for a little bit more. But I think to me the John Tyrion stuff was important and really good because to me it was John John knew John knew the answer it was just right. him having to which, come to terms with that right which is why i say plain devil's advocate cuz yeah, he yeah. always believed what Tyrion believed right yeah. he just he needed to i don't know hear it from someone else i guess yeah um yeah i mean i i think also like as much as you kind of i've always, i always wanted to like John and Danny as you know um, a couple. I don't know if it just never really fully re- realized itself on screen in the way that I think the showrunners wanted it to. Yeah. And I don't know who to blame. I don't think there's any one thing to blame because I both, I like Kit Harrington and Amelia Clark as actors. I think they're both really great. I don't know if they didn't have chemistry or what. Like, just the last two seasons, it just, they, it, it never felt like this was some epic love. And so that, that notion of like him having to kill this epic love didn't quite hit that note that I hope I think they were hoping for. Yeah, yeah. I would 100 percent agree with that because we what is it is it season six that ends with them sleeping together? Yeah, not season seven. Yeah, it's, no, it's season six. No, it's not. It's season seven. Is it? Se- oh yeah, that's right. Okay, because they go to yeah, that's right. They go to Winterfell. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Right, 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 right. Okay, so that after that, I was like, oh wow, that's that's that was a good way to end that season. Um, and I thought they were going to pick it up those same notes with them just being totally in love and being like determined together like i would have loved to see john we're getting into specifics of like oh i would have done it this way but anyway i would have loved to see john kind of picking up her energy and 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 her fire and kind of just like going like yeah this is this this is what we need to do and kind of maybe even get wrapped up in together like kind of you know not like a seduction but maybe like a seduction with each other and kind of getting and then john kind of is himself a little bit spiraling and it's like is Tyrion or someone or Sansa or whatever has to kind of rein him in a little bit and say you know and then then yeah. he realizes and, be's the, and becomes 
you know, then it would have been like, yeah, they were, de- you know, desperately in love with each other and infatuated and felt it more rather than yeah. John always being reluctant. And I stoic. definitely agree. I, I think that the kind of the nature of the season, those first two episodes, as slow as they were, there wasn't enough of that kind of gestation period where we got to see that relationship grow into something we conceived as this epic love. Like, yeah. And they yeah. kept telling us it was, but it never really felt Right. Like it was. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, um, in terms of him being the one to kill it, I think that still works for me, even oh, without yeah. that epic love. But I just think it would have been stronger if they right. had been more successful in building that. Yeah, going back to what you are saying before, Sean, like in terms of, you know, Sean, you tell me episode one that, oh, John kills Danny at the end. I would have yeah. been like, oh, dang, that's a, that's awesome. That's tragic. Yeah. That's That seems like the most appropriate thing. The whole series called A Song of Ice and Fire, but it's not a triumphant love song. It's it's a sad ballad. It's, you yeah. know, it's, uh, it, it, it's a tragedy. I, I mean, I kind of frame this whole series as, as a tragedy in a lot of ways in a lot of ways i think to me it breaks down by character almost but yeah uh well yeah 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 that's fair that's fair um but but given that the story is called a song of ice and fire i frame it around john and danny yeah yeah. in terms of being the characters that personify those elements or whatever so Mm -hmm. okay um so here's how i would make the bells better Okay, so the bells. So that's one. So we're just talking about kind of John killing Danny, but like episode five specifically. So I know this was most people from people I talked to hated this episode. And I'm guessing it's just because of the the Danny's turn. And to me, this was my second favorite episode. My favorite episode was uh, actually, I'd be curious to get how you guys ranked the episodes this season. But my, Mm. my favorite episode was the last episode, then the fifth episode, then I think the. First episode, maybe, then Battle of Winterfell, and then episode four, then episode two. I don't know. Episode I, two is thinking. my favorite, which is why really? it's funny. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I love episode two in terms of what's going on, but it's. It, I wish they just put it all in episode one. It was yeah, two one episodes two... are kind of the same thing. Yeah. Exactly. They're, they were mushed together in my head. I, I really don't know what happens in either one of them. Yeah. In, okay. in any case, so, season, so episode, f- or, uh, episode five, The Bells. Um, yeah, so I, I'm guessing, Vince, how did you feel about Danny's turn? I mean, t- to be honest, I had I didn't necessarily have a problem with the fact that she, like, the idea written on paper of her burning down King's yeah. Landing the way that she did, I get. But not from, not not how it happened from the buildup of, you know, what's gone on in season eight. There needed to be more of a gradual decline in her sanity because it just wasn't there. Her... Like, characters were starting to question her sanity when she was making totally rash and understandable decisions. Her burning the Tarleys when she gave them every chance to just, like, bend the knee and, you know, not have to burn. When she was just like, look, you guys can just, like, do this instead. Like, I'm giving you an out. And they chose their fate. I mean, you know, that's just how war is. I just feel like um, characters, like, from all sides, including her council, with which includes various and and Tyrion and John and like people said that she was declining mentally, but we never saw that decline. And so, like they might have been like, "Oh, we knew like this was gonna happen," and oh man, oh shucks, it did. But we as the audience never saw that. 
Well, here's my counter to that, Vince, because I, I think you're right in terms of showing us in season eight, like right there on camera. I think what they should have done, oh, this would have been kind of cheating, is that Tyrion recalls the events of of the past X number of years, Danny's conquest or, mm-hmm. or campaign, if you will, uh, and, and he recalls her just completely massacring, quote unquote, evil men as she, as she, you know, made her way across Estros, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that what they could have done, again, cheating, is before this episode in like the recap thing, show her doing all those things and remind us all, hey, Danny, remember Danny is actually kind of a terrible person. She... Well, they kind of, they did an interesting thing in that preview episode is they did something that they've never done in a recap is they played audio. Do you remember that? And yeah. it was just zooming in on her face and they were playing audio of all these audio clips of her doing those things. So they almost kind of did what you're saying, but not quite. But I did note it. I did think like, oh, okay. I I don't think they've ever done that before in a recap. Um, but like you said, it probably wasn't enough. Although, again, right. I don't know if you could rest character stuff on recap episodes or not. Or well, no, I, yeah. that's why I said it would be like a, it would yeah. be a bad idea overall. Yeah. I'm not. I don't actually advocate for it. But I think maybe if they had shown us. I don't know, given us some reminder or yeah, I think Vince, you're also correct in in that in just season eight, maybe kind of cheat a little bit and show more of a, a a steeper decline. Um, Because I think that's one of the whole points of this final thing is Tyrion's chat is that, look, she's always kind of been this way. It just so happened that we were on her side. Um, You know, his, you know, whatever the winners write history or whatever, how it goes. And And just so happened that now she came to Westeros and she's killing our people, you know, quote unquote, our people as in, you know, the Westerosians. And we're kind of like, hey, wait a minute, you know, don't do that. I I think they're there. I am not saying that her burning down an entire city is the same as her killing, you know, she mostly just killed killed the leaders of the previous conquest. So it's not quite the same thing, but it kind of is. So, I mean, so there'd be one, there's one or two things that I think they, small things that I think could have helped this. One, I think they should have killed Rhaegal in that episode mm-hmm. while they were assaulting King's Landing. Or Rhaegon, sorry. Rhaegon. I, I don't think they needed to kill Rhaegon in well, this Rhaegal. episode. The, his name of the dragon. His name is Rhaegal. Yeah. It is Rhaegal. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think they could have Waited. killed him while she and Drogon are assaulting the, the King's Landing. And if he Good dies, point. right, that, like, he, there was nothing gained from killing Rhaegal in the previous episode because they killed Masande in the previous episode, which supposedly motivated her to anger. Exactly. Enough, right. right? Also, so the I fact think... that, like, they established that, you know, a dragon was vulnerable to, like, like just a couple of scorpions on Euron's boats, and then there's a hundred boats in the Bells, yeah. and there's just, and there's scorpions lining the walls of King's Landing, and they do nothing to one dragon it just felt well, so like what to me that that to me that was a matter of it was because danny was pilot like she was controlling like she was on drogon uh unmanned dragon is is nothing compared to danny on drogon now whether the show conveyed that or well but in my mind i didn't i didn't have as much of an issue with that i guess is what i'm saying of uh, danny on a dragon I, is essentially a, a super weapon and a dragon alone is powerful but it's not nearly the same thing as a, a dragon rider I'll get. I'll agree with both of you, actually. But I think to me, th- th- having 
Rhaegal die during the attack on King's Landing would have yeah. been a better motivator for the audience to convincing them yes. of Danny's yeah. yes. And let me let me say one. And... I totally agree with that. But also, I think it needed to be more tragic in the way that she that, that the events happened. I think, oh, and yeah. I know that we see this a little bit, where she's you know burning down King's Landing, and you see the bits of wildfire start going off. So you see like just like the yeah. the bursts oh, of the yeah. green. To be honest, I think that's actually what needed to start triggering the destruction. And here's one thing: why I think that Danny should have been so one it was more doing cer- she, like circumstantial do, kind yeah, of at first. Yes, doing yeah. what she was doing, burning down, you know, taking down the soldiers, which completely justified their soldiers. You know, they're trying to mm-hmm. kill, you know, her side, and then she accidentally ignites the wildfire that starts burning down the whole city. Because one, it would show that you know she was doing her best to to stay true to her values and not destroy the city and not you know waste civilian lives, but the mistakes of her of her father, who was the one who put stashes of wildfire everywhere, still you know haunt her and still you know dictate what society thinks of her, and so the like it's the mistakes of the Targaryens of the past that end up burning down the city. And I still think I still would have been okay with John, you know, not quite understanding what happens and him ending up thinking that Danny did exactly what did happen. He goes to kill her anyway. Well, well, I, I mean, no. <laughs> I think that's. I would have been fine with that. I think that's an interesting idea. I think to me, if that happened, I think the more interesting thing would be her just owning it, even though it maybe not started her fault, but then just owning it and not being repentant about it. I think then you could still have the like. I think, I, I, it, like, well, I'm it just saying, like... if you went that way, it, it's, it, it's it, an interesting thought. Well, but Vince wants to rewrite it. I mean, that's. What he's advocating is that John kills her out of ignorance, which I think. Oh makes yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't much, think that much worse is, story. Yeah, is that characters acting acting out of ignorance, especially when it's the climactic thing of the entire series, not a strong ending. Yeah, uh, unless you're Anakin Skywalker, which we oh, all know but... worked out well for him. <laughs> um, um, them banishing um, John beyond the wall did not make any sense uh, logistically with how they established the rules of the end of the universe as well. Uh, no. maybe. Well, I want to, before we move on, I want to, because I kind of still have a lot to say about Danny. Because, okay. um, because I, I mean, I completely understand what you're saying, but to me, the reason I like that episode too much, so much, and why that turn, I mean, we call it a turn, I don't know, um, is because it, it was, to me, that was the, 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 the exclamation mark at the end of the sentence of what Game of Thrones has been about. And to me, everyone's called, you know, oh, she went mad. She was, she became the mad queen. And I think it's subtle, but it, she didn't become that. She, she was never mad. Danny did not go insane at the end of the show. That's not no. what happened. That's not what the show is about. She was who she always was. And you caught, and you, you definitely hit this a lot already, Ryan, and what, and Tyrion was saying. But I mean, I think that is an important distinction to make this idea that like, oh, she snapped and went crazy. If people think that's what happened, I think it's a misinterpreting the events of what happened. So to me, that's why it works so well is because the entire series was building this. It, who cares about season eight if the last four episodes weren't convincing that she was going crazy? No, she wasn't going crazy. We've spent eight years seeing her become this person, this person who thinks that she is destined to be the person in charge of everyone. Anyone with that mindset? Like, I like Danny. Don't get me wrong. I liked it when she burned the slavers. And you like it when she's doing all this stuff. But that that's what the 
the enemy of the show is not Dany, it's not Cersei, it's the Night King. It's this idea that power is somehow, you know, is a right of certain people to rule other people. And so when Dany did that, when Dany burned King's Landing, that was the show finally saying, look, this is what we've been saying this whole time. Do you get it? Do you get it? And if anything, it was maybe a little too obvious. But apparently it wasn't because people are still like, oh, she went crazy. Like, in my mind, no, she didn't go crazy. That's who she always was. Yeah, actually, I was talking about this with a friend and saying which characters actually grew or changed or were dynamic in the show. And I don't count necessarily count Danny amongst them. I mean, she might be kind of a round character in that she has like she has shown humor and love and rage and she has lots of sides to her. But I think, yeah, she has always kind of had this in the back of their head that she was destined to rule. Um, And I think it would be fun to kind of go through each character and see what you guys thought about each of them. But I would count Sansa amongst the few that are truly like dynamic characters that have grown. Um, Oh yeah, for sure. I think uh, definitely the one that stands out the most to me. Yeah. And that's why I chose her first. I think we could talk about other ones, but Um, well, let's jump back to John real fast. Unless you have, I mean, sorry, I was kind of going on a rant there, but um, unless you have any other thoughts on Dany, just in terms of kind of like that kind of her specific turn and any other issues with, with how that went and then, and then kind of how the fallout from that happened. Sure. I'll, I'll agree to a certain extent that, yeah, like her, her mindset of thinking that she's destined to rule is, is horribly flawed in nature. And like, that's obviously somebody who's horribly egotistical, power hungry. I get that. But her, at least in terms of like the actions that she took, every action that she took where she would harm another person, it always, there was always a rational reason behind it. Like, let's say when she like, you know, murdered all the masters of Yunkai, it was to liberate the slaves. Burning down, you know, and killing hundreds of thousands of innocent men, women, and children it was the only time that she had done so, done something, you know, an act of such violence that had no real justification. And I will disagree with yeah. you with, with saying that it wasn't, um, like, just a, a – that it was somehow, like – it for me, it was a, a very swift turn. And it only occurred once the bells started ringing, and which like, I think, again, is exactly what the episode is called, The Bells, because obviously she had that moment – to where once the bells were ringing, the army surrendered. She had then had a choice to not make that action. But then you see her character just emotionally start to just decline rapidly in that one scene. And then she just decides to go about it anyway. So it was her mentally just completely. Yeah, I'm, 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 saying there was, I'm not saying there wasn't a progression. I'm just saying it wasn't her going insane or it wasn't a, like it wasn't a like you could even say she snapped. Yeah, I get that in terms of that, you know, something like just kind of pushed a little bit further than she had been before. But I, I guess to me, it wasn't out of nowhere. Like this was just the natural progression of where had she, she had been going this whole time. So you're right. She wasn't burning innocence two seasons ago, but we that's that's where she was going and if it wasn't king's landing it was going to be you know dorn or it was going to be the iron islands like to me this this had to happen and it was always going to happen okay i mean i'm not saying that that's the right answer that's the right thing and if you disagree that's fine but i guess that's why i'm saying in my mind why to me that episode worked and why that moment worked right because she i mean she says that you know she our work isn't done here she's her yeah. campaign is going to keep going on. She's going to kill plenty of more people because she believes she has the right to do so. Which that idea was not established. She had, there was no intentions of conquesting the entire, of liberating the entire world 
outside of just that one scene in the very last episode of the show. The, yeah, the, that, the Iron Throne was always end kind of, I'm not sure where, like, I mean, I get, like, the kind of totalitarian imagery and all that stuff, and it, it worked for what, what the intent and stuff, but I, I did think that was a little bit more heavy-handed, but I think, I, I, I'm almost curious if, like, that's one of those things where I was talking about earlier where she just has to own it. Like, she knows what she's done. She's not, like, naive or anything. Like, she knows right. that she went further this time than she's done. But she also believes, like, they're right in saying that she believes she has the right to do this. So, at that point, you, you know, if you really believe that, you own it, right? And it, so, you, you then go further than you've been before. Um, but, I, but yeah, I don't I, I have mixed feelings about that, that scene, for sure. Okay. Ryan, Where she's saying she's think? going around to liberate the world, Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, but yeah, so what were you saying about John? So logistically, it just didn't work, um, in that last, when he's sent north of the wall. Oh, it doesn't make any sense. And let me explain because it's, I've done it before and it's hilarious actually when you think about it. You've gone north of the wall before. No, but oh, also, did you guys see the water bottle that was in the, uh, the small council? Uh, I didn't when we were watching the episode, but I have seen articles of it since. I feel like that was a callback too. The Starbucks was a setup to pay off. (laughs) Yeah, it was a a good payoff. That's the best payoff we've had (laughs) in the entire series. But okay, this is why it doesn't make any sense and why everyone's like, it's such a tragedy that you have to go beyond the wall and, or you have to go to the wall. Um, okay. So they established that the North is now free and independent kingdom, right? They always say that now, you know, Bran is the is mm-hmm. the is the king of the six kingdoms, not the seven kingdoms. The Wall is in the North. Sansa is the queen of the North, who decides everything that goes on in the North. If it's a separate kingdom, she can decide that Jon isn't somebody who has oh, to st- spend their whole life at the Wall if the Wall is in the North. It doesn't make yeah. any sense. If the Wall is still like. Does the North own the wall? Like, is it under jurisdiction of the of the North? Everything past, uh, what the some I don't know. The twins is like I don't I don't know exactly what's considered the North. But once you get yeah, yeah it's certainly beyond Winterfell. So it's in the North. It's 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 well, the North. That's not, I mean that's not exactly I mean, a, how a, a Night's Watch deserter gets executed by the Warden of the North. I like mean, yeah, they kind of they kind of you know, run it, but that all, like, I think they're still sending people, all, all six kingdoms are still going to send people to the wall, right? Which also, yes. what, what, why? Yes. What, there's a big hole. Are they going to, are they going to fix it? I don't <laughs> they're understand. They're going to fix the hole. So what do you mean they're going to fix that, the hole? Obviously. Patch that hole up. How? The wall was, res- was constructed by magic. Who's going to build it? You, who's, Don't what? worry about that. Don't we'll worry about that. the White Walkers to pay for Not it. Not to mention... Tyrion says there's o- there's always going to be a need or a place for bastards and outcasts. That's the point of the wall. Yeah. There you go. Done. I mean, I, I see what you're saying, Vince. You're right. In terms of maybe the logistics of the show, I well, I don't have an issue with it, though, because I think, to me, it works pretty much on every other level. Yeah. yeah. Also, I would argue, I mean, I don't know. I It doesn't matter too much, like you said. But I would argue that part of the stipulation, that whatever treaties they signed, was that John is an outcast and he's not allowed to return. Sansa can sign that. That's yeah. is, sovereign nations have treaties. And a international enemy of the state is, uh, you know, if if this, like yeah. we waged war, America waged war on many countries that gave uh, you know amnesty or whatever uh, to terrorists. But right? I don't understand why is John now an international enemy. <laughs> 
Because he killed, he killed the queen. What do you mean? He, well, he killed the queen who killed hundreds of thousands of people. Why is Jamie Lannister? Why wasn't he considered an international? Whatever. That's the enemy. treaty they signed with Wormtongue, okay? Wormtongue? I mean, Grey Worm. Sorry, Grey Worm. Sorry. Also, Grey Worm <laughs> is the dumbest character now. I hate his face. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not super. I'm not like super happy with how that character turned out. Oh like, God, he should have died. He should have died against yeah. the army of the dead. It just made so much more sense, and he didn't. And uh... well, I mean, I I get I, I like that's where kind of like the few little of those kind of supposedly motivational beats in episode five. I felt like just slight tweaks might have played better. And I get that it was mainly because of Masande that he became just like that, who he was in the end. But I don't know. It just, because then it's just Masande motivating both Dany and. Yeah. What what do you guys, what do you guys think about this? What if instead of season five ending with Dany turning around and walking away, it ends with her going like, Oh no, you didn't. And then she attacks right there. (laughs) And then it cuts, and then the next episode just exactly. Opens with, yeah, that would be exciting. That would be freaking sweet. Be, just like John and Davos are like, oh god, what? Ah, just get yeah. this trip start. It's I so would much. freaking love that. Yeah, that would be, be cool. like the best cliffhanger ever. And then that would also yeah. motivate the rage. And then she loses Rhaegal after the battle starts. Like, yeah, and she loses him because of her anger that she yes. just went in without thinking about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, well, I think. I think that was probably, I agree, in terms of the character motivation, authenticity, logistics, like, to me, the plot holes are not as big an issue as character holes. I don't All know right. what to call I'm going to oh, call good... them character holes. Explain to and me that was one of the bigger what the heck, ones. oh, exp- please explain in a nice 10-paragraph uh, essay, double space, <laughs> um, the buildup and the payoff that was the Golden Company. <laughs> yeah i almost felt like that was almost like like a joke yeah kind of like poor harry strickland like I, it's kind of, like i kind of felt bad for that guy <laughs> yeah well, not also, really because like what a jerk what but what what was cersei's what was she doing this season cersei did yeah. nothing yeah i mean that was almost like a weird thing i almost felt like they only had lena headley for like her heady heady i don't know heady lena heady heady for like Oh, three days of shooting i'm like oh, you know she's like... only in the show for like 20 minutes yeah like, in ter- she's just her eight. standing looking out from the red keep for like and she got yeah, probably got paid a million dollars an episode god that's the sweetest gig <laughs> oh also like okay so when jamie and cersei were hugging in the bells and it looked like the entire thing collapsed down there and then when yeah. Tyrion gets down there there's only like a couple rocks on him I don't know. Maybe bonked on the head. They just got head bonked. I feel like they <laughs> one of them. I actually was expecting one of them to be alive. I don't know why, but I almost kind of was half like as Tyrion's kind of lifting and he's staring, at, and then you see like Cersei like start coughing or something. Which yeah, I was I was, was kind of I would have cringed so hard. Yeah, I would. I'm happy. I was didn't nervous happen, but, that that was yeah. going to happen, but I I should give more credit to the show writers. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Yeah. Man. I I. I mean, the thing, again, like, to me, yeah, okay, maybe visually, did they really die just by getting hit with a couple of stones? So it's like, yeah, but you get the, like, I get the point of that scene, and it still worked emotionally and character-wise. So whether a giant stone fell on them or a whole bunch of smaller stones fell on them, to me, is kind of inconsequential. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. And I think that's, that's, I think, partially... I, maybe I'm being too apologetic, and I admit to that, for a lot of the issues with this season, is 
Because a lot of the issues people have are those things, which I think are legitimate from a certain point of view. But from my point of view, they, as long as the character and thematic messages come across, and for the most part they did, I'm willing to overlook those little minor silly things. Yeah, they're, they're there to serve a larger purpose. They're implementation yeah. details. <laughs> well, okay, anyway. Well, what did you guys think of um, Jamie and Cersei and kind of how their stories ended? Um Oh, are you satisfied? I, I re- I, Did it work for you? Yeah, I was very satisfied with it. Um, I, I know there's a lot of predictions about Jamie gonna, oh, he's gonna be the one to kill Cersei, but I think the way it ended was perfect. I think that's kind of, yeah, it, it, with Jamie kind of being a tragic character, I think that's the way his his character needed to end. And in, in, in a similar way with, uh, like, John, where um, we want these heroes to rise to the occasion and, and be better than mm-hmm. themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we. But they are who they are, and they're flawed characters, and that's part of the reason why we like them. I think because they're human. I, okay. Um, and, Do you think it matched yeah. up with whole, with Cersei's whole like prophecy though? You know how like she was supposed to get killed. No, nope. it didn't. Right? <laughs> isn't that kind of so? Does it? Is that kind of saying yeah. something that prophecies isn't everything? Or yeah, I mean, I like that. How a lot of the things didn't live up to the prophecy, and I mean, yeah. maybe they could have kind of shoved that a little bit more in in our you know into the audience's eyes that look these prophecies aren't being fulfilled exactly but i like that idea that like yeah they're just stupid prophecies i always dislike prophecies in in fiction mm-hmm. anyway Me it, too. and so i like that they're kind of subverting those and they're not always leading into this idea that like and like kind of even what john was saying or was it Tyrion in the final scenes like this you think i'm blood and fire that i'm gonna do this like nothing's written here yeah you know we make fate destiny of what is what we make it. So um, I like that. And I, I do like Jamie's ending a lot too. Like you said, Ryan, he ultimately was a tragic character. And I think he exemplifies, you know, this idea that like all the characters are a result of the choices they make. And and that's kind of something that I guess you kind of want in all fiction for the most part. But like, I think this show, even in the stuff that in the season seven or eight, that maybe didn't work for a lot of people, in terms of the motivations and stuff of characters, I still think that at least the the choices they made resulted in where they were. Like they had to live with those ramifications. And I think that was still true. And basically, yeah, he made his choice and that's, and then the result of those choices where it led him to. Okay. So I think he, he embodied that. Yeah. Well. I mean, for me, it doesn't detract yeah. from like his whole arc throughout the course of eight seasons. Yeah. Like I think Jamie has, he's arguably up there, you know, with Theon for one of the best arcs in terms of a character. And, like, to me, I actually didn't really like his sex scene with Brienne. It kind of felt like it it didn't need to happen. I love the scene where he knights her. I feel like that was the high point of their relationship. I feel like him, like, having sex with Brienne, it it wasn't necessary for either of their characters. It just felt like it was there for fan service. I kind of, yeah. Like, honestly. I kind of see that, for sure. I, I do, yeah, the night, nighting was the definitely the high point. It, that should have been, that was the essentially the real sex scene was yeah. nighting yeah. her. Um, but, uh, but I mean, like, it kind of s- similar. If you had told me at the beginning of, after I'd watched episode one or just started the first book that, like, Jamie and Cersei's story was going to end with them holding each other as this red keep collapses mm-hmm. on top of them, I'm like, oh, wow, that's, that's crazy. That's really tragic and awesome. That's going to be like, and yeah, to me, it, it worked um, with kind of how it all kind of culminates and where they've gone and, and their choices that led them there. So, All right. 
Um, speaking of other kind of choices, what do you guys think about Arya and kind of where she has gone and where she's going? Yeah, I guess I I well, let's start at the very beginning of the season, or at least partially in the beginning. She has sex with Gendry. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then Gendry just falls yep. in love. He's like, hey, be my queen or something. I don't know what he says, but he gets on his knee. I didn't know that proposals were a thing in this medieval society. I could have sworn that it was just like, hey, our houses are going to join. I didn't realize you got down on a knee. That's not a thing. But what are the small folk? They but also, some people fall in love. I get it, but it's just like, like you've never seen when people get married. It's like we're gonna join our houses. You never <laughs> see someone get down on a knee. Like that's never happened. I yeah, did. I Rob not get on one knee for no. Westerface. He just like he like. I feel like well, he would have maybe, but he just like kissed her butt or something. I don't know. Like that's actually <laughs> I think. <about. laughs> that's the, instead of getting down on one knee in this world, you kiss you kiss her butt. That's the same thing. I mean. Eh. <laughs> anyway, Arya, actually talking about Arya. Is that here. what we're talking okay. about? That we're talking about butts. So, okay, go ahead. I don't know. Give me both. Uh, I, uh, with Arya being, I think, probably everyone's, one of everyone's favorite character, it's hard not to like her just kind of rising to badassum and just, you know, killing the Night King. I think that's something we can all be proud sure. of her for. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I was. I was very interested to see what they were going to do with her once it was clear that she wasn't going to be the one to kill the to kill Cersei. And I was I was just like, okay, so she's in King's Landing and then she became like the focal point for for the tragedy yeah. that was occurring. She was the one who was like the character that we were with as, you know, people were getting burned alive. Miraculously, she survived, yeah. which I don't know how she did, but she found a way. I also actually thought she might have actually died. I think a couple people thought that. I think I read a couple of places online, but like that before season six aired, I was like, oh, maybe she was dead. That whole last little sequence with the white horse coming back. Uh, I thought about that too. Yeah. You mean episode mm-hmm. six, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so I, at first I didn't really understand why she was such a focal point at the end of season five or episode five. And I don't know if this was intended, but I'm kind of thinking about it more to me. In a lot of ways, Arya is a foil. She's kind of on the same trajectory as Dany is in a lot of ways. And so I think it was important that they show these two characters that essentially have gone through in similar arcs and and how at this point they kind of diverge. And it's also I thought it was kind of cool just because from the beginning where of, of the show, of the of the story of her spending time in Flea Bottom and now returning to there. And seeing it under different circumstances. So I, I think it worked on a couple different levels. And so for me, the character-wise, it worked. Because ultimately she chose not revenge. She chose not fire and fury. And so she lived. But she's still having to deal with other people's choices. Yeah. I mean, then she's there at the forefront of seeing what happens when someone takes yeah. revenge to the ultimate level. Yeah. that's I get, You know, I didn't really look exactly. at it that way. But that's interesting. I like, I like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought that was pretty good too. My only, I guess, maybe complaint about her character was when is episode maybe just episode one. I'm not sure where you know it shows her at Winterfell and the dragons are are arriving and they're flying overhead and she just has this smug expression on her face like huh, dragons. I've been a dragon before. <laughs> and I was like, all right, Arya, come on now. It's a freaking dragon. You're gonna be impressed. <laughs> uh, 
actually, yeah, I, I don't know if I, I didn't think that at the time, but yeah. <laughs> dragons are dragons. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, they're freaking dragons. <laughs> anyway, that that's my only, yeah, uh, only complaint about that. But also, I liked, I mean, and I think hers was probably the most, um, optimistic isn't the right word, but just the most, like, yeah, kind of character climax, right? Like, John is the bittersweet tragedy, and Sansa's the kind of, like, it's a it's a happy ending, but it's not one without responsibility and weight to it. Whereas Arya is like, yes, she's she's becoming, she's kind of, you know, engulfing what she's always wanted. And I, I think that is, she's always been that character where you're kind of like, I don't know, there's a little bit of an un, unchecked joy with a lot of her character actions and beats. And for her to end on such a high note like that, I think was like, right. well, it was I true to the if- character. It, of all the characters, she's had the biggest sense of adventure, right? Yeah. And that's what she actually is gets to do. She gets yeah. to go off and have an adventure. Everyone else has to go yeah. be adults. Well, I think also, too, I liked how when it's kind of showing the montage of all of them kind of embarking on their final preparations. Like, from where the show began, all of these characters in these circumstances, but not as a result of their own choices. And just forced into these situations of Arya going on this adventure and alone and struggle. But... Because of things out of her control. Same with Sansa being in this, you know, in the castle, being uh, relegated to, you know, nobles and treachery and kind of political scheming, but not because she wants to. And John kind of going up north of the wall, but he has, he has no choice. And you could argue that he doesn't have a choice now as in terms of being regulated to the, to the Night's Watch as punishment. But... What did you guys think? Do you think he's? I kind of thought that got the impression that he's going off to be with the yeah, that, that's the, yeah, that's what I got too. Yeah, right. That's so to me, it still well. kind of was a choice. Like they're all now choosing their own destiny, and they're there, even though they're kind of in similar situations as they were in season one. They are now on their own terms. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Also, John is the nine hundred ninety eighth and the one thousandth Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. Ed snuck in there, got the 999. Oh. He's like Grover Cleveland of the yeah. Night's Watch. Two non-consecutive <laughs> terms. Uh, uh, how, how'd you feel about Varys' death? I'm mixed. I like Varys so much. Yeah. And I'm... He went out like a dumb face. Well, he went he out was, better than Littlefinger. He forgot how his brain yeah. works. Actually, I, I disagree with that. I disagree with that. Varys went out worse. Really? Yes. I, I mean, getting burned by a dragon is still, it's at least visually, it's, like, kind of epic. Or, well, Vince, do you not mean logistically? Do you mean, like, he went out like a chump? Character-wise, he went out like a chump. Like, at oh. least at least Littlefinger was, like, trying at the end to, like, use oh, all of his tools his of thing. manipulation. Yeah. yeah, he was like, Sansa, okay, Army of the Veil, okay, I demand all this. And it's like, at least he was trying something. Varys was just like, did that little oh. girl get to poison him? Nope. All right, I'm out. Like that was that was the dumbest yeah, thing I ever. Mean, I don't, it was so stupid and like, oh, I don't know why. Did he? So did he send the letters or not? No, he didn't. He had to burn them. But at the beginning of the episode, he wrote it, and then you don't see him. And it also it makes back. it doesn't matter. Yeah, now. it doesn't matter because that apparently nobody in in the nobody in that council at the end even knows or cares that John is the rightful king. So Tyrion does. Okay, Tyrion does. They sure didn't mention it in that meeting. So who even cares? Well, it made, here's the interesting... John being John being the last Targaryen and being the rightful heir to the Iron Throne or the rightful king had no impact. impact. You mean in the final scene of the? It had the no impact camp? on the season. What what impact did it have on the season? Oh, 
What did it do? Well, it undermined like Danny's character and made her feel isolated and progressed her. I feel it, it, that's what I'm saying. I I think it. I felt it progressed her character. And that's why Varys, Varys died. Also, um, what do you guys think about like John? Like his in terms of that that little sequence of Varys. Like John could have stopped that, right? Yeah. Um, easily. I mean, he could have done an, any number of things, of which he did none, and stood there like an idiot. Um, and I think that's one reason why I think the ending for John is the most appropriate because the whole time he he was we keep wanting him to step up and be the hero that we think he is right he's a reluctant yeah. hero when is he going to step up and now that he's the last targaryen it's like oh you you now also have this birthright to it and yet he still never does you know he he still and through his inaction bad things come to pass and that's why I th- another reason why i think it's the most appropriate for his character cuz you know evil was allowed to persist because of his inactions I'll be honest, like, I'm always going to love Game of Thrones, but for me, the show ended at season six finale. Everything about oh, every, season six was everything that happens in season six, like, I think season six has a, a oh, fantastic the, ending. The Magar or the, or the um, Baylor, Septa Baylor blown up? Yes. So Septa Baylor yeah, that, blows I mean, up. That Cersei becomes was, I think, queen. One of my Danny is fl- Danny's coming to Westeros. Jon becomes king in the north. And and you learn that John, you know, he was the he, yeah. he his his mom was Lyanna, all that. Like, it it was it was the best finale, like that I really could have asked I for. I think that it point. might have been the best season finale, but again, that was after the you know they're going off the books, even. Yeah, yeah. that's why I was like that. I think season six might have been a fluke. <laughs> Um, well, honest, I, I but this is goes back to my question. Like you're saying, the the show ended there, but if you just take the rest of the show, look at it as a history. If you just like, then this happened, then this happened, forget any of the emotional buildup for those characters, just imagine those things just happened. Would you be okay with that? Like, why would you not be okay with that? Maybe. Okay, fine. Then I'm okay with it. But the execution is, sure, is, okay, is that's so fine. paramount. I could, I that's why that. we watch. I mean, like, if, if this entire season I was just reading a script or I was just watching, yeah, if I was just like looking at bullet points of how a season was about to happen, it's going to be different. But. The show is, you know, set up such quality writing and fantastic execution of all that makes a TV show a TV show that it just it fell flat in the most important thing for a story. And that's its writing and its pacing. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, we'll go back and forth. I, I still disagree, but I understand that people feel like that. And I don't think there's like anything so much that either side could really convince them of that. Um, yeah. Um, what else? Character-wise, well, where's, where's Drogon going? Huh? Where? He's where the gonna, heck's... going on? He's Avengers? getting his own spinoff. All right, yeah. he's gonna have a, his own little dragon adventure. Also, why did he burn down the Iron Throne? What does he have against chairs? Does he know that that chair represents? He's jealous. Everything? He's always wanted to sit in one. I think I thought I personally love that scene because it uh, it just yeah it was awesome. I love that. Yeah, I mean, I kind of going back to Varys real quick. Like, is I, I do really like Varys. He's one of my favorite characters. But I kind of also feel like I don't know if he had to die necessarily, but I still think he was like as much as he wanted the betterment of the realm. I still think he was in the wrong mindset too, and that is he was all about like putting John as the th- on and on the throne. But that's still the wrong. Like, it doesn't matter who sits on the throne. That's that's the point. Like, the, just the notion that someone has you know, control and power all of these people. That's that's the real issue. And I think he never quite got that. And so to me, him dying, 
like sucked and I wish he didn't, but I'm also kind of like from a character and thematic point of view, like it still kind of made sense to me. Like, yeah, he, he still never got it either. As much as he was about, you know, the betterment of the realm, he still well, didn't quite understand that it couldn't always, like you can't rest it in one person's hand. I don't think it's fair to say understand in this context, because prior to the last 20 minutes of the last episode of the entire game of Thrones, the idea of anyone else, but, a king or queen ruling was not on the table. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you yeah. you can't say like all oh, various you idiot you weren't progressively thinking in a de- democratic yeah, mindset. I guess that, yeah, you're right. No That's one not was. really fair, right? That's yeah. not. Fair I mean, to say. yeah, the, no one in the show was. I, yeah. I I hope the audience was. That's why I always, and I think people were obviously, but but yeah, you're right. I guess he. <laughs> shouldn't be held to higher standard than everyone else in the show. I mean, right. Um, However, although it, it does... the Iron Islands they have king's moots. So, you know. Yeah, no, actually, it, and although they're, you know, horrible rapist pirates, like, at least they have the most democratic thing going on, you know, yeah. like, that's true. but they're also horrible rapist pirates. But, uh, you know, other than that part. Yeah, you can't have it all on. I did yeah, think it was funny how Sam was but like, who hey, loves your on guys? Like... Am I right? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, he's by far my least favorite part of the last two seasons. Um, I think he has... One of the I'm pretty best character to introductions, most things, as you can tell. But season six, episode that? two, he has one of the best character introductions, and everything after that, his character disappoints. You know, when when you like you you first meet him, and it's like a super crazy stormy night, and Balon Greyjoy is walking across the bridge, yeah, and he just sees him standing there in the darkness. You're like, oh my god, who's this guy? This is crazy. And then everything yeah, from there is downhill. <laughs> I mean, I think it's the same. It's the, it's when you introduce. A, a character who's supposed to be a pivotal character in the final act, even though you know of the of a story, you're always going to be like, "What? I don't. Who is this guy? No one cares." I mean, even look, he was the greatest character ever. I, he had such an uphill battle. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. Like, there. I did my best to avoid spoilers, like I normally don't do, because I'm terrible at not doing it. But I sure did read a lot of theories on how people expected this season to go down, and almost all of them. Sound, seemed more interesting and and a better payoff to the characters than what we actually got. Which is why I, I truly feel like Dave and Dan were just kind of phoning it in for this last season. They decided, you know, several years ago, the last two seasons were just going to be 13 episodes. They had the story written. They are just like, that's it. We've been doing this show for 10 years. We want to move on. And now they have the reins to another Star Wars trilogy. So, I mean, like, I feel like they honestly just lost their love for writing this series and they just they, I mean, I, they wanted to just wrap I, I, it up i can't speak to that obviously but that's all speculation I, I i seriously doubt that people who are in charge of a multi-million dollar biggest show on earth the most watched show on television maybe ever like oh i can i can we're explain. over it oh i can totally see this, this is probably i think they got george lucas syndrome they had been they had got six very successful and at least decently written I'll say season five was maybe a little, eh, especially with the Sand Snakes and the Dorn plot, but at least five really good seasons up to season six. And they had been so well recognized, the show had won three Emmys for Outstanding Drama. Who's going to question the writers of the biggest show in the world at that point? Who would question but you're George at it Lucas from like, after he's But made... a writer's not looking at, like, who's going to question me? Like, hey, we finally, we finally proved our, you know, we finally made them think we're good. Now we could give up. Like... No, but no what writer I'm saying is that like nobody. That. Yes, but I'm saying that. But 
they're they aren't going to be challenged as much for their decisions in the writing room as they maybe would have been, you know, back in seasons one. Well, season okay, two. maybe, but I think that's a different. But also, thing they to had say. source material that they could work off of. So, to be honest, when I yeah. think that once they had been working on the show for you know the better part of a decade, and they no longer had the source material, and they kind of had to fill in the gaps for George R. R. Martin's stories and where the characters were going to end up. Once they had to figure out how they were going to bridge that gap because they had the beginning and and the middle, then they just needed the last part to connect the end. I feel like that's where it relied entirely on them, and it just showed that they just were not quite up for the task. But I, but I mean, but it didn't retire entire rest entirely on them though, right? Like you said, they got the plot beats from George R. R. Martin. George yeah. R. R. Martin is a producer on the show, so yes. to like, but for the last him several seasons, silly. so for George R. R. Martin was actually a big part of the writing for at least seasons one through four. It was after season four that he actually stopped being a writer because there was actually I think it was season three. Each season he would actually write an episode. Yeah, he wrote an episode. Yeah, um, he stopped doing that once he realized, oh crap, they're catching up to my books. I better get back in the writing room. And you know, we're in 2019. He still hasn't got Winds of Winter. But he was a big part of the at least the initial few seasons of the show. And then he got less and less involved. And I just I feel like it shows in terms of the writing of its characters. I mean, I've rewatched the show a, you know, almost a dozen times. I really I it's not like I I have some sort of like nostalgia for the show that like, man, that's just from your young in days. I've watched the show very recently and the way that like characters interact their dialogue, it's just, it's so, it's, it's so different. It, this, it's just, rushed isn't the right word, I don't feel like, for this last season. It just feels lazy. Mm. Char- characters do not, do not have the same, it's like, like, what did, what did Tyrion do these last two seasons? Like, his character had far and away a, a more, a more engaging, interesting plot for seasons one through four. Once, mm-hmm. once he got past his his plot, even I mean the books are completely different from his plot that he he's going at now. But once he got you know out of Westeros, his story gets vastly less interesting. Yeah, I mean I think that you can kind of say that across the board a little bit. Once the the world got smaller, so to speak, everyone kind of grouped up, and there was less things for people to do. <laughs> yes, exactly. Which is why I feel like the season six finale is the best because it still had three different groups of characters. Sure, there was a lot of characters that were interacting that never had, but you still had Cersei and King's Landing. You still had John in the North, and you still had Danny coming from Essos. It still felt like these three stories that you cared about each one for their own separate reasons still hadn't quite convened in a way, and so it just it felt like a good like you could still feel a, a grand sense of scope for this universe, and it was still like okay, I know that there's more story to be told, but man, it's really at the top of its game right now. That's what I would say. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm not saying that season seven or eight, I think, is as good as the previous seasons, and I, I don't think even the most stalwart supporters or you know lovers of this season who i don't know who that is claim that i guess to but i kind of going back to what i started with that like to call it a, a bad is so it's so well no uh, i i wouldn't me just the wrong say that... way like it's still better than 99 percent of everything on sure TV. i only base i only if i was to say it's bad 
I don't. I'm not comparing it to anything else other than its previous seasons. Okay, I would say I, it's I, okay. It's below. It's below the standard the show has set. I'll say sure. that. Sure. Okay. I. I mean. I. I can't argue with that. I. I agree with that. But. And that's not. That's not that great for a show. That, that does that, not. That. That does not. You know. Justify a petition. Oh God. From fifty thousand people. Uh, Actually, you know, it's over that's two million. It's, it's two just million this, people. This notion that like. People are slightly disappointed or it doesn't turn out how – I read all these fan theories about how it should end. I don't care. Like I'm not saying you, Vince. I'm just saying like people's fan theories. Like that's fun. But that doesn't mean that I'm – like the show itself is bad. I, I, like I don't know how to articulate No, I mean just, because, just because things don't meet your expectations doesn't mean that it, it's not – it's not like noteworthy or you know worthy of, of receiving praise. I get that, and we all have our own personal biases going into, you know, the show. I think a lot of people care about this show a lot, and they really got invested in the characters. And yeah. when you care about something a lot, and things, all the good things have to come to an end, it's just it's it's not easy to wrap them up in a way that's going to satisfy everybody. Like I get that. Well, I mean, it's it's almost I think impossible. This kind of it is impossible. Speaks to just the nature of ending in general. Like I, I like we might get into this a little bit in a in a bit here, but I did want to ask you guys about it um, down the line, but like just ending any show like this or any, any giant yeah. franchise, like there's so much emotion built up with that. And just by the nature of something ending, you're going to have negative emotions because your stories have ended. And yeah. sometimes there's this kind of conflict in my mind is like, are these negative emotions? Like, am I, am I associating them incorrectly with my emotions about the, the quality <laughs> of the art itself? Like, am I making right. sure that I'm disassociating my my feeling of this thing ending from how I feel about the way they ended it? So that's okay. like a really good point because I, I think if if you're I'm going to use two examples, um, I think they're really good examples for your exact uh, scenario, Sean. In that's yeah. uh, Thirty Rock and Parks and Rec, mm-hmm. both of which I think had amazing endings. But at the end, I remember being upset, like, what? This is how it's ending? Both end yeah. in weird time jumps forward, which mm-hmm. is kind of weird anyway. I usually don't like that. Again, in Lost, they do the same thing. I was also yeah. – I also didn't like that. We don't need to get into Lost right now. But, oh, we should. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, anyway. <laughs> and I remember being dissatisfied, but, but years have passed since those shows have ended. And I'm like, oh, no. Like, I am able to now separate the immediacy of the show ending and those – Sean, like you said, negative emotions. Yeah. And like, no, those shows ended as best as you could possibly end them. Now, they're not the same scale of epic fantasy, but yeah. I think if we look to other things like Breaking Bad and Mad Men that are these prestige level shows, I yeah, think I think Sopranos or Lost or like, right? Right. Yeah, those would be accurate, you know, or mm-hmm. more comparable examples. But I'm just using 30 Rock and Parks and Rec as as yeah, yeah. as comparators because those are joyful shows, right? Mm-hmm. And I still had negative emotions regarding their ending. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah, that's a good point. That is, yeah, I, I hadn't thought about those. Like, it's interesting you bring in the comedy because I hadn't thought about that for sure. But, yeah, exactly. And 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 I'm not saying it's wrong either. I, I guess kind of what it reminds me of, too, a little bit. Like, so this, I don't know if I've said this on, we've talked about this in the cast, but when you first started watching the show, Vince, mm-hmm. you didn't watch it from the beginning. You didn't start it till like, what, was it season two? Yeah. When it was mm-hmm. on. So you were catching up and I was kind of watching every once in a while when you would catch up. So I was watching um this the Baylor with you, episode nine of season one. Mm-hmm. I was watching that show. I was watching that episode with you. When that episode ended, 
you were so furious. <laughs> you yelled after this show and you stormed out of the house and slammed the door. Yeah, I did. Days later, you were constantly online talking to me about how bad the show was saying the show, you don't end your, you know, ruin your character. This is bad narrative design. It's bad character design that they would, you associate, you get your audience associated with these characters. It's just dumb. It's just stupid. To be fair, I'm, I was also only 19 at the time. Well, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm not saying you were wrong or right, but I'm just saying it reminds me of those same things. Like, you had a lot of negative emotions because it was something you cared about ending this character you end. Like, and I'm not, Again, I'm not saying you were naive or stupid to think like that. I mean, I remember when I read the book the first time and I read that chapter, I I couldn't read the second book. I had to wait like a year till I could pull myself to bring and start reading the second book. Mm -hmm. And and I think there's – I don't know if people are willing to admit it, but I do think there's at least something there for the end of this season. And I'm not saying it's the same thing and I'm not saying that means that it's as good as those moments that we look back on now and go, oh, wow, those were powerful moments – but I do think there's an element there where people's emotions are so tied up into this thing that they've been following for 10 years that, of course, there's going to be some, you know, disappointment or negativity just because it's ending. Like, right. yeah, it sucks. Shout I know. To your, to your point, I think The Red Wedding probably had a similar reaction from yeah. uh, the viewers and the book readers. And Sean, yeah. if you were, I remember you telling me the story of John Artisan having read, the, I think, the end of the fourth book where yeah. he, he missed or he something where he thought Brienne was Brienne, killed. You, was you, killed you think by the Lady, Lady Stonehill kills Brienne at the end Brienne. of the fourth. And yeah. and he, th- I remember you telling me he threw the book across the room and said, "This is so stupid. I'm never reading this ever again." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like I still remember that all these years. But um, yeah, people have strong connections to these things, and if it doesn't go exactly as they want, I guess, uh, yeah. yeah, they're gonna have a negative reaction. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying that like that exonerates or anything or justifies any no. mistakes or whatever, but I do think that in some time, I, I, I think this will be looked at a little bit more positively. Could be wrong. I don't know. But I, I think at the very least, this last episode did a lot to kind of, if not fix any issues, then at least end it on a note that wasn't so steeped in that disappointment and negativity. Okay. I, I don't know. At least we'll in my see. mind. I don't know. We'll, like, yeah, we'll see. I mean, maybe could be wrong. But even so, I, I mean... Even if it, even if this ends up being like, in, if somehow it gets worse and people's opinions of this season and slash episode get worse as time goes by, I still, I still maintain that does not mean that it drags the rest of the show down or makes the show bad or makes the show worse or makes like, to me, it still stands up for everything it was and did. Yeah. Despite, you know, I guess like for despite me, shortcomings in other areas. The, the, the saddest thing about it is like it, it really made me kind of like just like I don't I didn't feel a lot from the from the series finale. And that's the worst thing. Like I would have preferred to even just like outright hate it. But I just didn't mm-hmm. I felt so emotionally disconnected just based like with how the story happened for season eight that it made me just kind of like numb to what was happening. There was moments where it kind of it was almost pulling me back in. But like, <laughs> I don't know, like. That's it's it's almost the worst tragedy that that it it made me kind of like I would I I was just so emotionally numb to what was going on that it was just like okay I guess this I guess this is what's happening like I kind of just accepted my my fate while I was watching it and yeah. I didn't I didn't love it and I didn't hate it I was just a viewer of it which is in my opinion the worst you know just 
not feeling like you have any human connection to what is going on and that you're just watching something occur is worse than loving it or hating it. Well, I mean, obviously it's worse than loving it. I don't know if it's worse than hating it, though. But, um, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, there were moments that I definitely I felt strongly about in the last episode. Um, uh, but it sounds like you kind of had that notion even before the last episode began, though, right? Is there say- anything the last episode could have done that would have changed that? Like, it sounds like it was kind of a deal done and set before it even started. Yeah, I mean, it, it. No, I would say it's not possible given the way that the plot progressed in season eight. Yeah, it, 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 okay. the plot needed to to be drastically changed. It couldn't have come to a, a good conclusion just with how the story progressed for the first five episodes. Although so, I will say that I was a, never more hyped up. Scale. I was never so, more sorry. hyped up hyped up for an episode than episode three, the long night, because I felt like episode oh. two was a fantastic calm before the storm. And yeah, it was, I do too. I that's just why I think it was the best episode. episode. Yeah, I get that way why you think that. But I mean, like it was for me, it was like it was that was the buildup to what should have been the series finale. And that's not what we got. And I get that like there's like, you know, the the story, like the, the story beats were spo- were not supposed to be about, you know, this this force of nature that, you know, that humanity has to fight it's more about like the conflict of man himself and you know how weird like how how war just has you know no purpose i get that like there was a bigger meaning and you know danny burning down king's landing had more meaning than you know them defeating the night king for me it just wasn't as compelling of a story i I know i might not be i might i might yeah you can't convince someone you know how they feel about something um but um, so let's say, you know, he finishes books six and seven and let's say, I mean, I think it's kind of an interesting case because in some ways he kind of is in their position now. He knows what didn't work and what does work so he could change things. Oh, God, I hope claim. Stannis just lives all the way and just takes the I cl- And well, then he could change things and just claim like, oh, this is how it always was after like, you know, like. And he has the luxury of doing whatever he wants at that point. Wouldn't but let's that say be hilarious it, if, like, it's completely different, not even close? Like, let's say Stannis yeah. does make it all the way to the end. And, like, John is just a whatever. He just dies. Doesn't come back. <laughs> he doesn't come back in books. Yeah, he doesn't come back. He's just dead. And but let's say it does. I'm just, just theoretically, let's say it does play out in terms of the beats, in terms of the major beats, the same. Okay. Would you, based on what you're saying, you would still be disappointed, even if they built the characters up to that those moments, even if it oh, was no. more thoroughly fleshed out. No, but you're saying the I, fact that if they defeat the Night King or the forces of the undead before the assault of King's Landing, even in the books, you would be disappointed. Oh no, I I don't know. That's not what I'm saying. But you're saying that's execution not what you thought the is everything. Story was about. So e- then e- it's not the story; it's the execution. Absolutely, execution is more okay. important, in my opinion. Execution is so, because there were story beats that while I was watching it, you'll spe- you'll you'll agree because you witnessed me do- having them that I was like, what? How did this happen? But then when I actually had a chance to go back rewatch it and watch where this story went, I was like, well, no, this that needed to happen for the story to be where it's at right now, and I yeah. was so engaged in it because it was just such a devastating thing that happened to me emotionally. The beats. Yeah, but I'm just w- saying that like you were just saying how you would prefer the ending be the Night King battle. Yes, but it thematically does. it would have made, in my opinion, more sense. Um, but I'm saying if George R. R. Martin finishes book seven and the ending is not the Night King battle, but how it plays out in the show, you would be disappointed then. 
it all depends on how it's written and how we get there. I feel like there's okay, a good that, way for that's every... That's my point, though, is that it's then it's not so much that the Battle of Winterfell took place before the Battle of King's Landing in the show. Oh, right? no, it's not. It, the Battle... Okay, we, okay, we didn't okay. even really talk about the Long Night. That's a whole other topic. We, we've already gone an hour and 40 minutes. The Long Night is... Oh, uh, well, you guys want to talk about the Long Night? <laughs> I mean, it's good. I, yeah, I like that episode. Like I said, I mean, it was... Oh, it was only my least do, favorite. Do you know what my favorite part the, was? Was when the very beginning, all the Dothraki charge in, and then they're all dead, oh. and then somehow when they fight King's all Landing, dead. they come back. Jorah comes back with some of them. Uh, like three of them, and then also, do you well, watch the behind the scenes? Maybe in a specific shot. Did you but watch the behind the scenes commentary more. where Dave and Dan said that's the end of the Dothraki? He lit- they literally say that the writers of the show say that's the end of the Dothraki, and then somehow, in the bells, and also in the last episode. There's thousands of Dothraki left. So do you what? think they forgot they, they yes, filmed them? Yes, I'm not have... kidding. I think the writers are so stupid that they forgot <laughs> what they are even doing with their own So characters. you don't think that they're just owning kind of what's happening on screen? No, I think they got straight up lazy. I honestly think they got lazy. That they, <laughs> that don't they even... literally forgot that yes. they paid probably I'm not, $30 million people I'm not dollars extras. They filmed an entire battle of a cavalry charging the gold. Do you, do you I, think they I literally forgot I wouldn't be surprised that? if they were both like alcoholics and they were drunk when they were writing this. And they were just like, I don't know what's happening but we're just getting to that finish line one way or another to be honest uh-huh. it doesn't make sense how did they how at the, okay in episode four the last of the starks they have the, they're like all look okay how do we take down king's landing we just lost half of our forces you only lost half of your forces there was like five people left in winterfell by the end how how are there still forty thousand soldiers in this army you guys were completely annihilated there's there's there wasn't like it there shouldn't be anybody left for the good guys. There shouldn't be any any humans left other than apparently who had plot armor, which was Jamie, Sam, Brienne, John, Arya. These characters that just somehow miraculously had plot armor to survive it. But everybody else was annihilated, and yet somehow Danny still has an army. It makes no damn sense. It doesn't I mean, make sense. I mean, I didn't think they were annihilated, but that, that's fine. I mean, I thought they were... I mean, having losing half your forces a lot, but I never got the sense that they were all dead. I got the sense that they were straight up dead. <laughs> Ryan, <laughs> come on. I I, I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't. I guess I didn't think about it. How I many just... times have you guys watched the episode? Because I've watched it four times. I've seen it twice. If you can tell me somehow that you don't think that everybody's straight up dead, they're dead. <laughs> they're all dead. <laughs> oh. Dead. I okay. mean, Winterfell's a pretty big castle. I assume they were fighting all around the castle. Okay, but, but, okay, uh, all right. <laughs> Grey Worm puts <laughs> up. What does like it the... matter? I mean, like, I, I don't know. Because, That's what I'm saying. Because, I don't know point... that it matters. Yeah, how does it matter? I mean, though? Vince, they visually, weren't all dead. Visually, Vince, if you're talking about the experience of a show impacting your uh, the emotional weight, showing just a few survivors has a greater emotional impact. If they show, oh, hey, there's still plenty of people. Hey, we didn't do that bad. It wasn't that bad. It would have had a much less emotional impact on your experience of the show. So the player, uh, the writers played your emotions. You fool. But they also <laughs> explain, okay, Grey Worm puts up the, the barricades, the little trench thing, and he blocks off all the insulate from actually getting through the other side so that they can light the barricades and create the moat around Winterfell. So all of the Unsullied are on the other side with a gigantic army of the dead that's approaching that apparently is also, by the end of it, already breached the entire walls of Winterfell, which would then lead you to believe that they've destroyed and defeated all of the 
soldiers that are fighting on the other side of the wall, it doesn't make sense how there's any army left. And if there is an army left, where are they? Because if are you saying that the entire army retreated into Winterfell? Because it was clearly the, clear that they were all outside of Winterfell, and then some of the forces got in, but then they were all getting annihilated by the army no, of the dead. there were some... Okay, first of all... There were some already. It's not like they moved all the forces outside. You don't. That's not. You don't fight a war at a castle by putting your forces outside your castle. That, they did, and that was the stupidest thing. No, also, they didn't. They don't no. ever say that. Like Jon well, Snow doesn't say, "Make sure to deploy all troops outside the walls." No, he doesn't. But did you look at the map? The only soldiers that were actually in there was the soldiers that were defending Bran. They had um, the the Mormons, and that was it. You look look at the map. It shows what soldiers are actually inside of Winterfell and which soldiers are outside. It has the Mormons and it has the Greyjoy, little little pieces. So okay, now okay, let's say you're right. Now you're getting hung up on what occurred rather than how it occurred, because how it occurred was pretty freaking sweet. With the Dothraki with the lights on their swords running into the darkness and then the lights going out one by one. Okay, that was pretty freaking sweet and it had sure. a pretty cool visually. Effect on it was me. great, but but it makes it's it's the dumbest battle strategy that ever happened. Why would you put your trebuchets on the front lines? Why would you not put them behind a fortified castle? Why would you put your foot soldiers not in a fortified position? This battle, supposedly Miguel Sapochnik said that it was supposed to be based off, or at least he got a lot of inspiration from the Battle of Helm's Deep. Imagine if all of the soldiers in Helm's Deep were outside of Helm's Deep trying to fight 10,000 Orakai. It, it would have been the stupidest, most illogical thing for them to do. They obviously stayed behind the wall and fought from a fortified position with archers and then foot soldiers behind the wall once the wall was breached. It made no sense logistically. Well, Vince, what I mean, is, I'm, not, what... I'm not a battle strategist, and I'm not going to claim that like everything makes sense. And you're right; I, I don't think it everything holds up to like some sort of perfection of like logic. But at the same time, Dothraki are logic. best on horseback; they're cavalry. They're not going to sit behind the wall not, or on. They are also the best archers. They, in fact, they they are good archers on horseback. That's what they're known for. So, like, they are going to be so on they're... their horses. They're not going to not be on their horses. Okay. When have you ever seen a Dothraki fight not on his horse? Other than when Cole, Cole Drago, you know, killed that guy. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah, they're like, clearly great at hand-to-hand -hand combat doing. as well. Well, also, I mean, it, it was kind of dumb. They were both using catapults and trebuchets. When everyone knows that trebuchets are the superior siege engine, capable of launching 90-kilometer projectiles over 30 – they're 300 meters, Vince. 90-kilogram wow. projectiles. Did you yes, get that from um, <laughs> your Chronicles of Narnia, the, the Prince Caspian? Um Vince, you need thing. to spend more time on the internet. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, we like I, I'm not going to dissuade you from the logistics of battle formations, but I think that kind of like epitomizes a little bit of some of the, our different view. Like I, 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 to me, those details don't matter. Like, how does it doesn't affect? Doesn't matter. How does it affect anything? Well, they spent all this time, you know, preparing for the battle. I don't. Yeah, know. and it was sweet. But it was it was it turned out to just be a massacre. It wasn't even really a battle. I mean, it would have been more of a battle if they had survived, stayed behind so. their fortified position, i.e., Winterfell. It would have made more sense. But I, I'm just saying that, like, how does it? Like, you're saying like that in and of itself is sloppy like, writing. Is what what does saying. that mean to do with the characters? How does that and better the? How does it make the characters better? The story better? The thematic message of what is happening in this story? That they use a trebuchet on one side of a wall over another. Like I'm not saying because it's, it's not, right that the they did that. I'm just saying that I don't care. 
well, I care when the logic of the universe and like the the reasoning of why characters. You're, the logic of the universe. I want a grounded show about White Walker zombies that destroy a entire continent. For the most part, it's actually done a pretty good job of balancing the magic and the 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 supernatural forces that you know happen in the universe, and still making them have at least some sense of realism. And I mean, I, I don't know. It, I guess it's just it's not something that you cared about. I, I get it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm I sorry. I'm, I don't mean to be condescending or whatever. If if it matters to you, that that's fine. I guess it's just I don't know. Like it. It was I, I liked I liked it. I liked watching it. It was I don't know, it's just it's one of those things, it's like do you ever watch do you ever see The Life of Pi? Do you ever see that movie or read that book? Yes. I don't know why I'm thinking that. This is good. But the end of it, he's like, Look, of course there's all these crazy things. Do you wanna believe that or not? If you don't want to believe it, fine, don't believe it. But I like this story better. So I'm gonna believe it. No, that's uh, kind of what it's I. Got it. they, okay, there you ha- there you go, Vince. Basically, God is a lie. Um, all right, all right. So, <laughs> uh, okay, so we're kind of. I, I feel like we reached the end of general discussion, but I did just have a couple general questions for all of you. Just kind of quick stuff because it's the end of a era. Um, what did so after everything? What was your, what was your guys' favorite character? Theon. <laughs> Why is really? that funny? Yeah, no, the Theon is my favorite character. Yeah, oh, in wow. the whole show, yeah. in this season, or the whole—I I don't mean just this season. I just mean the entire I, uh, Game of Thrones. Oh well, I mean, I really liked Rob Stark, but I knew you. Uh, I thought you might say that. Okay, then Rob That's Stark, but Theon is a, is a better, more fleshed out character. And yeah, he was, in my opinion, the best character of of the series. He had the the biggest arc, and. Yeah, he was also, I think, the Alfie Alfie Allen guy, the yeah. actor who played yeah. him, was the best actor in my opinion. Yeah, that's a good choice. Uh, that's interesting. I would have thought about that, but yeah, that is an interesting choice. That's cool. Ryan, do you have a favorite? Um, I think my favorite is Davos. Um, just because I, I think, uh, like, I he's he's who I wish I could be. He's not necessarily super important or dynamic, but he's just like. It's like if there's anyone in the Seven Kingdoms that knows what's right and wrong, it's freaking that guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was at the line at the end about grammar. I thought that was kind of a funny kind of callback too. Like he still got Shireen some Stannis in him. how to read and stuff. Also, Stannis yeah, yeah, is yeah. all about grammar. He got that one from Stannis. <laughs> <laughs> he lives on. Um, it's so I, it's hard for me to choose like. I'm a sucker for the obvious John and like Tyrion and Arya. Yeah. But I think I'm going to go with Bran. I think partially because back from when I read the first book, like the first chapter is a Bran chapter. It all starts with him. And I'm not, I wasn't like super pumped about his character this last two seasons. Yeah. Um, but I do, I, I did really like him ending up on the throne because to me, like, I don't know, just kind of full journey, but also just like brand the broken. I don't know. I, I just love that idea of this. And I think it just represents a lot of what I like about what the show is saying. Just like brand the broken. That's his title. This broken person. He's not this like epic hero. Right. And I like the idea that like they burnt the iron throne is burned. And what's he in now? He's in a wooden throne. He's yeah. in this chair that's practical. 
that's down to earth that he's, you know, having to move himself around in. And I, I don't know, to me, I, I think that those were the, my favorite parts of the final episode, kind of the brand moments of them just like, yeah, recognizing where he's come and stuff. Um, so, um, what was your, um, favorite moment from the entire series? Uh, Ryan, you go first. Uh oh. Um, Sean, you've already thought about this. You should probably go first. Yeah. Um. Again, super. And it's funny because as much as I just have been saying how much the the Night King and all that stuff wasn't my the the stuff of the show that I cared as much about, I think I'm gonna say Hard Home. Uh, that hmm. that kind of final moment when he's looking back across the uh, yeah. the water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't just uh, I I loved that moment so well, and that whole battle. I think that was my favorite battle of the entire series. Okay. Um. um oh, so. Okay. Mine. My, my favorite moment is in Battle of the Bastards, when John is just standing there, and all of the Ramsey Bolt's forces are just charging oh, yeah. at him, and he's just like, "Screw it! I already died once. Let's do it again." He just pulls out his sword, <laughs> and he's just like, "All right." Okay. One thing I loved was that that was a real shot was there was legitimately yeah. like a hundred horses charging at kit errington and so that was just a real <laughs> shot that was done well. i mean but in terms of like where the character had gone from that season you know he had mm-hmm. been a, a man who had thought he would what he was doing was right then he was killed by the people that yeah. you know were supposed to be like his friends and yeah. just like to have to like try to liberate you know Winterfell and get the North back under, you know, the Stark, you know, rule. And yeah. it's just like, God, is this all for nothing? Am I going to just die again without purpose? Like, yeah. I just witnessed my brother or my, who I thought was my brother, die. Like, it was just like such a great character moment. The music was beautiful. It was like a brand new score by, uh, I forget his name, but the composer for Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. For me, it had everything that, that I wanted and it had no dialogue. Which I usually am a sucker yeah. for fantastic dialogue, but it said everything it needed to without having to say anything. Yeah. Uh, Ryan? Uh, I think I've settled on Tyrion shooting Tywin on the potty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 this is probably like a s- stupid moment to choose, but I think it also. I just remember reading that that part in the book, and it's it always stuck with me really, really well in the book because it was this p- really pivotal moment in Tywin's or uh, well Tywin too, but Tyrion's character, um, like this you know he's like this small man, and he mm-hmm. like ultimately shooting Tywin on the potty was not an honorable thing in any regard, mm-hmm. um, and it kind of just shows where his character was at and where he grew to be. Um, I don't and I, it, it just because I don't know how you can get much. You know, he's a kinslayer. Yeah. It's the most dishonorable way you probably kill someone. It's like, I don't know, it, 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 it kind of just captures, it, plus it's, it, it sticks visually in my mind really, really well as well. Yeah. And, I, and the dialogue they exchange is, uh, yeah, really strong. Yeah, too, I would so. th- that's probably his lowest point in the series. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. So I think that that's. And right after that. Yeah. Right, 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 right. So, eh, I don't know. I, I'll pick that moment. Cool. So, what was your guys' biggest disappointment with the entire series and i know you could just say like season seven and eight but like specifically like a moment or maybe not a moment but just like a specific thing whether that be a specific character arc or um a scene how it played out i don't know just something that like if you had one thing that you could put your finger to 
Uh, I'll start. I have. I have uh, did you say Dorn? Because that's what I was. Oh, say. yeah, Dorn's the worst. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I do think this is also something that the books also is a disappointment in the books. Like, obviously, we will yet to see where they go. While I did enjoy it more in the books than the show, I do think it just felt like a distraction, and yeah. it was more just like, uh, what? Actually, like I want this to be good, but I just I don't yeah. like these characters, and and they wasted that the the prince. Um, the actor who plays Prince Doran, yeah, uh, Alexander yeah. Siddiq. He's a really good actor, and he was in Star Trek, and I really like that guy. And they yeah. just like, wasted him. Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, and Sean, you know, I actually have one, and you're not gonna like it. My <laughs> least favorite thing that happens is Bran. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, and I can ex- with him becoming king or something else. Uh, no, just the way that his character was handled the last two seasons. Oh, yeah. Like everything I mean, was I, like I said, up. it wasn't my favorite either. Yeah, like, and just like, but I'm totally, like, him being the Thread Raven, him kind of losing who he was as a person, like, I get that, mm-hmm. but like, like, this was a, like, a person who had proven that he could warg into other humans. He warged into Hodor yeah. several times, and like, he doesn't use that power whatsoever, like, yeah. within the last couple of seasons. Like, I get it that he able, he's able to see into the future, and or he's able to see into the past, and you know, Maybe yeah. the future. I don't. I don't quite know how his powers work, to be honest. But he didn't. War, he never warged into a dragon. He never warged into another person. Yeah, he never they did kind things. Of imply that he's going to with Drogon, I guess, right? Yeah, I guess. But like, I don't know. Oh, also, I would say like just how they handled Ghost. That was pretty disappointing. Like, I mean, I feel like just in general, the Dire Wolves got phased out, which. They put all that I mean, CG budget into the dragons instead. Yeah. I do think, though, it was kind of funny to me. Like, I'm not necessarily saying it excuses it, but, like, everyone was up in arms when he first says goodbye to Ghost. Yeah. But that's kind of, that, again, that's, like, and it's just this reactionary culture of just, like, guys, just what? The show's not even over yet. And then, of course, he reunites with Ghost. It's like, oh, okay. Well, still. It's like, well, <laughs> how about we wait to story to end before we name our children after what turns out to be a megalomaniac genocide that's hilarious and i love it (laughs) i love i love that so much that everybody that named their daughter khaleesi is gonna because you know nobody deserves to be called khaleesi because that's a stupid name but now they're really regretting it (laughs) anyways well it's it's like some people who've named their kid anakin which I don't know, actually, I think is a it's kind of cool name, name. but it's I like, like it. I don't know what you know. You know, he turns into Darth Vader. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you, sure you want to name your kid that? All right. Anyways, um, Ryan, disappointment. Uh, I would say if I can just choose Euron as a whole, I just I thought he was a yeah, major. Yeah. Just yeah, I, I every time he's on screen, I'm just cringing and just like, come on, we don't need any of this. <laughs> yeah. We don't need none of this. Um. I, the other part was, if I can choose another one, it, um, I wanted a little bit more of lore from the Night King at the end. Like, I thought, mm. what are the ramifications of killing the Night King? Like, what, how is he connected with Bran? Yeah. And how? what is the nature yeah. of their connection and magic? And it, it's almost like I love Game of Thrones for one reason, because they don't, like, magic's very implicit. It's not yeah. like you don't. They don't no, have a hard set of magic rules, right? Yeah. You're not slinging fireballs around and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to kind of understand that a little bit more. Like, oh wow, we killed the Night King. What is, what, what does that mean? What, what that yeah. you know, the children of the forest. What is this? And then they never give us anything there. I was like, oh, it, it is kind of okay. He's just done then, huh? 
Well, all right, moving on. Yeah, I, I, I didn't even. It was one of those things where we've talked about in previous episodes where sometimes you could over-explain. I think sure. in this case they definitely under-explain. Yeah. I just wanted a little bit more. I, yeah, I like, didn't want them to over-explain. I right. think I'm glad they didn't over-explain, but I, I still would have liked. Yeah. One beat that kind of implied something yeah. after the long night. That's all I needed. Yeah. Um, I see that. Um, so what is one thing that you guys would have liked to have seen or would like to see? Like, so for me, I I think one reason kind of the ending a little bit works is because it leaves me wanting more in a lot of ways and in good ways. Like, I want to see that high council. I want to see scenes of that high council, like, interacting and running the kingdom. I want to see Arya adventuring in the Western Seas. I want to see Sansa ruling Winterfell. Like, these are things I would like to see. So something like – it doesn't have to be something to show, you know, in the future. It could be something that, like, potentially happened off screen or maybe, um, you know, a slight change to how something played out. What's something you would have liked to see or would like to see? Um, I did not like the way the Night King was defeated. I would have changed so it. I you would have liked to see it different? I do not have a problem with Arya delivering the, the finishing blow. Not at all. I actually mm-hmm. think that that is totally fine. <laughs> I think that her... I think that it's still... Because, okay, the whole point of the Starks is supposed to be that like, the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives. Arya single-handedly, you know, took down the yeah. Night King. I would have preferred to have a battle where it was like, let's say, Theon, Jon, and Arya all going up against this guy. You know, they're all going toe-to-toe with him. They're all fighting together, you know, all as Starks, let's say. Even though Theon isn't a Stark, he's an honorable mention for a Stark. And Theon, you know, he's the first one to go, let's say. Theon sacrifices himself to to stop, like, you know, the Night King's getting closer and closer to Bran. Theon has to sacrifice himself, and he goes out with a pretty sweet move. Fine, that's how it goes. And now it's just, you know, Jon and Arya against against the the Night King. You know, John is going toe to toe with his, you know, with Longclaw. The fights going, you know. I just feel like it needed more of like a, because the Night King, yeah, he just, you know, walks right up there. He he doesn't have any sort of combat with with anybody in the entire episode. Neither do any of the White Walkers, which I thought was a huge disappointment. They just stood there, like that's what that's how you end the entire White Walker and and Night King plot. They literally did nothing. All the all the Night King did was withstand Dragonfire, which was cool, but him smiling, I don't know if I like that at all, but <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I mean, but okay, sure. Apparently he does have emotions. Maybe just fire makes him smile. It's Maybe. Like just involuntary reaction. <laughs> Maybe. Also like like you needed you there needed to be another one on like another battle with John fighting him, but then to show how to like to truly defeat him, you needed to work together, and Arya could have helped to get the, to you know deliver the finishing blow. Something. It shouldn't have I just been. That. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I completely understand what you're saying. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I see just, your point. Yeah. It could have been so much better executed. It really could have. Plus, it would have been fun if like all of our plot armored characters could have gone one on one with one of the White Walkers. That would have been fun. Exactly, huh? and they all have Valyrian yeah. steel swords. What the hell was the yeah. point if they don't? <laughs> what's 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 the point? Oh, it's so stupid. It, it they're, eh, they're... it's not that stupid. Well, why? Why give? I them... mean, I would. Yeah, I, I I know what you're saying though. Like, it, I think it could have been more. I don't know. Why give Jorah? In some ways, a it would have been a little bit more like cliche action. Movie, yeah. Because then, you, if you have them all pair off, but if there's a time that calls for it, it would have been that time for sure. Yeah. So, 
Um, Ryan, anything you, uh, you well, uh, I, I, I kind of, I guess I kind of accidentally already answered this question with just like one more beat of lore with oh yeah the yeah, yeah. Night King and and that whole yeah you know that stuff. Um, so for me, even though I did, I would think it's I would totally watch High Council with all those guys, but I think I would have liked in the last episode just I don't and I don't know how they would have done it, but just some sort of like beat paying kind of respect to um like kind of i don't know not like a clip show but like here's all the people who've died over the years <laughs> like in, in, in memoriam kind of thing yes like obviously not that but like something that recognized just a small acknowledgement of ned and caitlin and like all of these characters because i do if nothing else i think there has been it does feel like there's a there's a there's a you know a dissection between the end of the show in terms of the characters. And there's not a strong tie with the characters that came in the first couple seasons, specifically season one. And I would have liked to have seen some subtle way for them to kind of like tie it back. And they did with, you know, John and Arya and Sansa kind of that montage, which I liked, but I just mean in terms of bringing it back to like Ned specifically, I guess, but even more broadly, just like Caitlin and, you know, I don't know, whoever else, Robert and, and some of the other characters. Um, I get that it was, you know, it wasn't about that, but just kind of as a reminder of, like, where where we've come. I don't know. Or where we've been. Anyways. Um, and then, um, I, I don't know, just kind of the last thing. Are you guys excited? What do you guys think about these prequels? Prequel series? Uh, no. I mean, to be honest, like, they're not i don't like what what does it matter i guess now like yeah, at least, i'm not excited i'm not necessarily excited either so i'm not and i wasn't excited when they announced it a year or two ago so i'm not sure like i'll watch it i guess i'm i'm it's always this world is a world that i will always go back to but i guess i don't know it's like eh. i mean yeah, the night well, king's already been done. defeated <laughs> like learning about how you know the long night happened yeah. who who cares? It's like it's yeah. it's like the whole point of like the prequels of Star Wars were destined to not be right. that compelling because it's like you already know what happens with to Darth you know you already know what happens with Darth Vader and like him becoming Darth Vader isn't as interesting as like his redemption arc. It might just yeah. you know be a nice little nugget, but it's not going to be as like satisfying yeah. as a whole basket of chicken nuggets. Uh, uh, I, I just saw, I really ran with the chicken nugget uh, metaphor, yeah. and I'm gonna stick with it. Always run with the chicken nugget metaphor. Uh, yeah, I well, you know, I'm already extremely biased towards prequels yeah. in general for many reasons. I, I guess I would say I'm I would be more interested to see this prequel than maybe others, but that's still a low bar, so it doesn't mean much. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I guess I'm. Like I said, I'll probably end up watching it, but I, I just can't see myself being like thoroughly excited for this but who knows um all right so i i guess kind of the last kind of question so where do you guys feel this show and thinking beyond just the scope of season eight do you think this is the greatest show of all time up there with the greatest shows of all time if not how does it rank with your favorite shows of all time yeah, I would say this is definitely, in terms of 
modern television making yeah, the, yeah we're in the golden the golden era of television uh, yeah this fits right up with breaking bad mad men um what else sopranos like all the ones that we've said already yeah. i guess in this podcast but yeah easily fits up there um and also i think one, one thing i the show's already had the impact is kind of giving a resurrection to uh, historical pieces or medieval yeah. pieces we'll say mm-hmm. um, fa- yeah. fantasy or otherwise and it's already had that impact and I think and hope it will continue to pave the way for more storytellers and stories of this nature because I think there's yeah. you know there's a lot of room to explore there um, and so yeah I'm actually looking forward to that yeah Vince yeah, I think it's a little too early to say. I'm still kind of a little bit in denial that it's over. So, mm-hmm. like, in the same way I was with, like, Harry Potter and, and Lost, it's just not quite, like, yeah. sinking in yet. Like, for something yeah. that, like, I've been so, like, emotionally attached to for so many years. Um, yeah. I think I think in the long run, it will, it will for me, be still, you know, one of the best ever. And it'll still yeah. be, like, one of those pivotal shows that kind of defined, you know, television and, and you yeah. know, cinema for me. Because, to be honest, it's as cinematic as any movie that's out yeah. there. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's too early to tell. But, obviously, just because it maybe didn't necessarily stick the landing doesn't mean that the journey wasn't, you know, amazing. Yeah. Because it certainly was. And I don't want to detract from that. The journey of Game of Thrones was fantastic. And the only reason I'm so – I might, like, appear so upset and negative about it is just because – you know, it had been so above the yeah. bar that was set for television and, and you know, this medium for it, – it was above – it was setting the tone. It was it was the trendsetter of how to, how to do yeah. fantasy and how to make this, you know, incredible story work with this ensemble cast. And it was doing such a great job. And, you know, yeah, yeah the, the journey for me was still more important than, than the finish line. I'll say that. Yeah. I, so, yeah, that's perfectly – kind of you said it perfectly it like i think people i've heard people complain like that's what this was all leading to Ugh. like well you're thinking about this all wrong like what what did you think was going to happen you were going to get a million dollars for watching the show <laughs> yeah. like what it's it's a tv show there's no way it's going to live up to some like life like so i like that you said yeah it's definitely the journey and to me even if it didn't stick the landing regardless of how well or not it did um, I think it doesn't take anything away from like the journey that we've been on. So I, I don't know if it's my favorite show of all time. I, I don't think it will be, but I do think that's something that you can't really decide so close to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, but it's does it have rewatchability? In my top five, probably. Does it have rewatchability? Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I definitely want to go back and watch. I mean, there's stuff I know I won't like, or I, you know, I don't think I will, but I, I would, I definitely would go back and watch it all. Yeah. I mean, my favorite thing is the fact that my favorite character dies so early on. So even before the rest of the story gets resolved, so it's great. Maybe this time he won't. I mean, maybe ah, there's always that it. chance, you know, that the red wedding is going to just be a nice affair, <laughs> a, a splendid That's evening. What we could all hope. Like. Good old Walder Frey just treated us to a delightful time. It'll just be called the red wedding because someone spilled some wine. Whoopsie. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll write it in the history books. <laughs> <laughs> Song of Ice and Fire ended nicely with a wedding. And it was mostly but called that... the Red Wedding because it made Walder F- Frey blush so much that he spilled <laughs> wine on Rob Stark. <laughs> oh, those characters. Um, well, we've been talking for over two hours, so we'll wrap it up. But I'm actually happy that we did because I had definitely a lot to th- say and get out, and I think everyone else did. 
and I'm happy we did. Yeah. Happy we did. I'm happy we did too. Um, what did you guys all think though of Game of Thrones, specifically season eight? But if you had thoughts otherwise, let us know. Um, email us at yumchunks at gmail Um, did you hate it? Did you love it? Did you sign a petition for them to remake it? <laughs> it's so funny. I don't know. It, it's it's <laughs> so it's ridiculous. it's ridiculous. It's very disrespectful too. I think. I don't it's know. So, so, uh, I like, think that that's it's almost the like it's the best acknowledgement that you could get though in a way. It's like it means that so many people care about your thing so yeah, much because nobody true. makes a petition yeah. unless they truly care. <laughs> no one signed a petition for them to remake season twelve of Law and Order special. No, they didn't, <laughs> and it certainly didn't get two million signatures. So it just shows how big of a cultural impact this show has had. Yeah, that, like, I, I really, I mean, I don't want to talk too much longer, but I do want to kind of like break down the logistics of like how's that going to work? Who's going to write it? Yeah, the same I, people. They already wrote it. This is what you got. And who's going to – or who was going to write it? The, the fans are going to write it? It's going to be this most washed out vanilla Ryan, I actually script. do. I want I want there to be a small council. I want to see a fan made. I want a small yeah. council of social justice warriors that <laughs> that will decide how this – and it will be a disaster. It will be great. I actually kind of want that to happen. <laughs> it will be amazing. Uh, so, hey, everyone. Get on that. You know, don't – don't give them more money to do what you already dislike. <laughs> do it yourself. Everybody come up with your best Game of Thrones. <laughs> We're going to make everyone get everyone gets a season 8 of Game of Thrones specifically catered to what you wanted to have happen. I'm going to so cast mine with happy. all cats. It'll be cats only. <laughs> oh, I, okay. I'll fund your expense. It'll be called um, Paws of Glory. A Game of Thrones spinoff. Ours is the furry. Ooh, eh? No, because eh? furry has also another connotation that I don't want to get into oh, that part. Right. Oh, good. <laughs> also, that would fit with Game of Thrones' over-sexualized tones. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. We should leave it at that. All right. Yeah, we should have it. Uh, but um, listen to us however you're listening to us right now. But uh, you can catch us on iPad or iTunes Podcast, Google Play, uh, Spotify, Stitcher. You can catch us on YouTube. All the places you listen to us, continue listening to us. Give us a holler right in, and next time we'll probably be talking about what are we going to talk about next time? John Wick three, maybe? Yeah, yeah we got Aladdin. Like yeah, one of those, something like that. It's a, some, Godzilla comes out, I think. Oh, yeah, I don't know about I don't know about that. Uh, yeah. yeah, we'll see about. Anyways, that. Um, but uh, we remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken at after the credits. So thanks for tuning in. Wait, you're going to lead us out with. With Dorn? <laughs> no, no, you're what? not. Those are good words. What's Those your are favorite good words. words? They have the best words. <laughs> I don't. What's the one for uh, the Tyrells? We're we're a, we smell like flowers. <laughs> uh, we're always growing or something like. No, that. I think it's strong. we smell like flowers. Ten million strong and growing. <laughs> <laughs> this has been after the credits. A Yum Chunks podcast. Yum Chunks.
Discord. Got it? 